0: My journey as a Superman fan started with a tattered red cape blowing in the wind. That ending rocketed me forward like a red-blue blur through a decade-long origin story and poignant tales of self-discovery and now fatherhood, and backward to the character's very beginnings. Now, on this podcast, we journey together across time and media to examine the stories that have defined the Man of Steel. Welcome to Digging for Kryptonite, a Superman fan journey. I am your host, Anthony Desiato. Joining me to discuss the role of Superman as a government stooge, as depicted in The Dark Knight Returns, The Dark Knight Strikes Again, and DC The New Frontier, is returning guest, Dr. Bill Mayo. Welcome back.
1: Thanks, Anthony. Really glad to be here tonight.
0: Last time you were on, we did a Batman-centric spotlight episode on the Long Halloween Saga, this time, there's still Batman in play, of course, but a more Superman-centric discussion. So this is really the first time we're talking Superman, so I'm excited sure. to have you on. Yeah, for sure. I feel like one of the stereotypical depictions of comic book fans at comic shops or at conventions, and I'm thinking of Big Bang Theory, for example, I feel like okay. a lot of times the stereotype is that fans are always debating, you know, who's stronger, you know, Superman or Hulk, or who would win in a fight, Superman or Batman. You and I spent countless, countless hours at our local comic shop, the late great alternate realities in Scarsdale, New York. I can't think of any instances of that, but maybe I wasn't there for it or I don't remember. Do you remember having those sorts of debates, specifically the Batman versus Superman angle? No,
1: you know, it's funny. We, we would always jokingly say, because, you know, um, all of us had spouses, you know. Um, and I think that was always the thing that they always thought that we were sitting around the table talking about, you know, who's the strongest, Thor, Hulk, and all these people. But really, we didn't. We didn't get into comic books at the dinner table, that's for sure. That much, but certainly in the shop, I'm sure we've had like, you know, conversation, especially as it related to different books and things like that. You know, who might win in a fight? But it was never a big focal point. And let's be honest, every time these guys go head to head, it's always a tie, right? You know, how many times has Superman raced the Flash? And end up a tie and so it it is what it is it's all uh, up to us to i guess kind of ponder
0: i suppose so given what we're going to talk about let me let me pose the question to you in, a, in a battle Batman will always win get out of here this episode's <laughs> over <laughs> well you know superman
1: he can obviously fly in the air and burn batman to death with his eyeballs right but he's the boy scout he's not going to do that right so he'll try to play fair and batman as we know as batman he's not going to play fair so and we saw that again and again in some of these books that he's he plays dirty or he fights dirty.
0: Okay, fair enough. I think, I think there we do align to some extent because what I was going to say, I feel like there's one line and it's a line from the movie Batman v Superman that really encapsulates the entire Batman-Superman fighting debate for me. Mm-hmm. And it's when Superman shows up for fight night. He's been manipulated into this battle with Batman by Lex Luthor and he shows up and he says to Bruce, if I wanted it, you'd be dead already. And that to me really sums it up. The fact that these fights go on as long as they do, the fact that on occasion Batman even wins or comes close to winning is only because Superman has allowed it to get to that point. Absolutely. It's
1: absolutely ridiculous. You're right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and he's got
1: the strength of a god and he's like fighting this guy in a bat suit. You know, at the end of the day, he's getting his ribs broken. He's a guy in a bat suit. You know, if Superman wasn't pulling his punches, then. You know, Batman would be laid out in one shot.
0: Right. Now actually this was the first of what I'm sure will be a few references to Batman v Superman. You and I haven't really talked about the Snyder movies all that much, I don't think, but what what is your take on Batman v Superman? Were, were you into it or, or not? I know people are very split on this, so it's it's okay. Yeah. This is a safe space. No, that's fine. I would love
1: to see it again. Uh I was not impressed with it the first time, but you know, then you know, I watched some of Steiner's other... I really liked his director's cut of the Justice League. And and I kind of want to sit down and, and re-watch them all. I actually just re-watched all of the Marvel's movies recently. And many of them I watched for the first time. I just got Disney Plus subscription. So I just sat down and watched them all. And so I think it's time to sit down and watch some of the DC ones again. And so I don't know if I, I gave the Batman versus Superman a fair shot, in part because for me, it's like, who who can really play Batman? And I don't think they ever really found somebody that i think is just perfect for that role and then i haven't seen the new one so maybe robert patterson is just incredible in that but i don't know
0: you haven't seen i'm actually surprised you haven't so seen the new I, one yet you know i
1: i haven't been to the theater since the beginning of the pandemic and and it's just a weird thing i just haven't i'm just gonna wait for it to come out in streaming it's it out might be on, out this weekend yeah yeah no, that's There's what i'm saying this
0: week. i'm like i've not been to the theater either but it yeah. did come out on hbo max a week prior to our recording here so it's on hbo okay. Max. that's how i'll I watch, watch it, it, it this weekend then with logan And actually, here's a perfect segue for a nice little plug on my Patreon page at all levels, one dollar and up. We have the new spinoff Digging for Justice, where each month I bring in a different guest and we talk about some non Superman DC movies. And the first episode is out now. And V. Ken Marion and I talked about the Batman. We had a great chat. We went for almost two hours. uh, So that's available now. And I encourage everyone to check it out. And yeah, I I think I I would be very curious to get your thoughts after you see the Batman. Well, for sure. Let me hear, hear your thoughts on that. At
1: least the Batman versus Superman stuff.
0: So I appreciate your open-mindedness and your willingness to sit down and watch it again. And I think, I feel like you will come away from it feeling differently than you did the first time. And Mm -hmm. even more so if you rewatch Man of Steel first, but even if you don't, even if you just rewatch Batman v Superman, specifically the Ultimate Edition. So if you go on HBO Max, the version that's there is the... Uh, the version with with a half hour reinserted back into the movie, and it really it made a big difference for me, at least. Uh, so I think I think you would get more out of it with a second viewing, and specifically watching that cut.
1: Okay, fair enough. I tell you, the Justice League movie was completely different with the uh, the director cut, right? I mean, it was like a night and day difference.
0: Exactly, and so you know, we're not speaking of Batman v Superman for nothing. Obviously, it drew heavy inspiration from. The Dark Knight returns. So, in terms of how this episode came to be, I started thinking and I you know, I had conversations with you, I had conversations with fellow guest Rich Roney, and I think both of you guys independently suggested doing something on stories where Superman's a supporting character. Mm-hmm. And I liked that that idea, and I, the more I thought about it, I kept coming back to the way he's depicted specifically in the stories we're going to talk about now where he is this tool of the government and especially in the case of the Dark Knight stories it's not even so much a supporting character I mean he's really it's an antagonistic role and I just kept coming back to that and and then of course thinking about New Frontier and there there are definitely some similarities but a lot of differences too so I thought that would be good fodder for discussion in terms of how he's still occupying the same essential role as a government stooge but it does play out there are some different different angles and flavors there, mm-hmm. but I just kept coming back to to that idea, and for me as a Superman fan, it's tough. It's really tough to see my favorite character serve the story in that sort of way. I mean, it's one thing for the story not to be about him, mm-hmm. but for him to serve it in that way where... Just
1: be reduced to you know, an FBI agent or something. It's like, yeah, hey, go do this for us. Right. Yeah, and absolutely. he's
0: really in the way of the protagonist in the story. It really flips things on its head. And and as a Superman fan, I've had to sort of come to terms with it. And I think we have a lot to get into. I'm really, really excited. But actually, one other preliminary question to ask you, and this is sound crazy for all the conversations you and I have had over all these years. Like, I know you're a big Batman guy, yeah. but where does Superman fall? What level of fandom, if any, do you have for Superman?
1: I love Superman in this role per se, not like the government stooge role, but like the supporting character type role. Um, I never have been really uh, one to pick up a Superman comic book and read it from page to page, you know, cover to cover. Uh, He just never drew me in as the character. Um, You know, one of the things that I really like about um, some of the Marvel characters and certainly about, you know, Bruce Wayne, Batman, is that these are like humans that are superheroes versus, you know, aliens that, adopt the you know persona as humans as their secret identity and and so superman as a character and, and his whole mythos really just never drew me in although you know i appreciate him for what he is you know he's a great super and i love him in different roles when he's used as kind of like that deus ex machina comes in and he can like you know with those powers it's pretty important and impressive what he could do but uh so i don't want to say he doesn't factor in highly but he's you know if you look at my comic book shelves there's not a Superman comic on there unless he's in this type of role where he's a supporting character. Cover your ears I guess. Don't <laughs> sorry.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's I mean that's one of the one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on because I I know you know you you do have a different perspective and you come into this more as a Batman fan and it, I love Batman. I've read plenty of oh, Batman yeah. comics. So I have nothing against the character, but obviously my heart is with Superman. So Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, like this is always a little tough for me in different levels, right? So it's one thing when we're talking about a book like Batman, Superman, World's Finest or Superman, Wonder Woman or Trinity where mm-hmm. he's sharing the stage, but he's still a co-lead and he's still a protagonist or even something like Justice League where it's an ensemble book. So, you know, he's, he's really sharing the spotlight, but it's still serving that same fundamental heroic role Absolutely. in the story um as opposed to something like this where again it's it, it is more of a supporting role but specifically an antagonistic role especially in the case of the of the two batman stories so no i think that's great that you're coming at it from 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 that point of view
1: but but it's funny too because many of these stories that i love that superman is in he's kind of in this role so maybe my failing point for for enjoying the character has to do with the fact that he's never really portrayed in that like that light where it's like hey he's like a real superhero that should be given his own sort of he's always you know like like I said he's always this like government stooge where he's like being told what to do and it's like well how do you like this guy I don't even understand he's just like <laughs> you know I, I don't know uh, I never got into small villain and, and sh- shows like that so I think you developed a love of the character over many years different types of media that I think I was always kind of like adverse to from the beginning I hate to say it
0: No, I listen, I I understand. And, you know, I I guess for me in in the the Dark Knight stories in particular, but even New Frontier, it's one of those things where it's like, can I buy that my my Superman would allow himself to to be to be used in this way? And in the case of Dark Knight Strikes Again, to be subjugated the way he is by Luther and Brainiac. It's real. It's it's a tough pill to swallow. So Obviously, there's the Superman of it all, which we will get into, and that's sort of the through line as we're making our way forward. But obviously, I, I want to talk about our relationships with these works in and of themselves, generally, because sure. there's a lot there. Yeah. I mean, especially when you get to New Frontier, you know, Superman only has a few scenes. They're key scenes, but yeah. there's so much of the story that that is, is not his story. So there's a lot for us to talk about. Uh, and so kind of on that note, let's, let's start with Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns. And Dark Knight Strikes Again, and just the preliminary question of what what role have they played? And I'm sure the answers are different. <laughs> le, le, the elephant in the room, I recognize that when I say Dark Knight Returns, yeah. <laughs> Dark Knight Strikes Again, and DC The New Frontier, it's like w- yeah. w- one of these things is not like the other one. I recognize yeah. that. We'll talk yeah. about that. But yeah. for you, those two stories in particular, what what roles have they played in your in your Batman or, or DC fandom?
1: so dark knight returns i remember uh being the the story that brandon who was a uh, former owner of the store he was the one who encouraged me to read it he was always a big frank miller fan i was a huge batman fan dark knight returns was a little bit before my time so i got involved in comic books in probably the mid to late 90s and i was working at the store the late 90s early 2000s and so it was not like a newer book but it was always one of those classic batman stories and uh You know, I first of all, I love this book. And after I read it the first time, I don't know if I truly appreciated it as I do now. And this is a book that I read every couple of years. I always like to get back to it, see what new things I can find from it. Um, I certainly think it's one of the best Batman stories. It's certainly the one with the most closure. If you're a Batman fan, you get everything you want out of this story. And for a lot of people who come over my house, you know, we always talk about Batman. And like they always ask me to like suggest Batman stories to them this is not one I go for first this is one I cycle like, well, you have to earn this story um you, you can't just like jump into this one and expect that uh you could just be a casual Batman fan and then just fall in love with the story I think you have to fall in love with the character and then see where he is 20 30 years later after he's no longer Batman and then he decides to pick up this mantle again it's a really interesting take that Frank Miller decided to to, to you know to pursue with this yeah and so I, I mean I love this this one his his sequel follow-up the Dark Knight strikes back. Um, I read it when it first came out and I read it again this week. And when I read it the first time, I don't remember because I don't remember the state of mind, but I could tell you this week, I don't know what I was reading. Um, I hate to say it. <laughs> And And, you know, the other thing that's very interesting about those two works is that The, the Dark Knight Returns is so... I mean, it's such a, a beautiful story. It's it's well crafted. He spent his time with the story. There's so many different like you know plots that are subplots that are going on at the same time. There's that like white noise of the news story that's going on throughout. Um, it's clear that it was like a labor of love when he did this, both the art and then the story. And then you pick up the Dark Knight Strikes Back, and it's just like, well, he definitely phoned this one in. And and again. Frank Miller, I shouldn't be even saying that about Frank Miller. Frank Miller is an incredible writer and artist and everything else, but this is not, to me, it's not my favorite work by him, that's for sure. Um, but I love his other stuff. I love, you know, Year One, I love, I love his work on Sin City, and certainly Dark Knight, Strikes Return, uh, Dark Knight uh, Returns is like probably my, my favorite Batman story that's out there, and I think I've mentioned that a couple of times to you.
0: Yes. Well, I don't think many people will come for you for not loving Dark Knight Strikes again. So I think you're, you're safe. So there are a lot to unpack there and I want to get into all of it. Oh, what version do you got? This is the, the trade. I have the Dark Knight Returns and the Dark Knight Strikes Again trade paperbacks that came out in the mid, mid two thousands. And they're the yeah, ones that are designed by Chip oh, okay. Kidd. The,
1: that's the one. I, so that's, this is the Strikes Again I have looks like this. Okay.
0: Yeah, but you have the hardcover. But my return
1: looks like this. Yeah, I have a hardcover of this one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So okay. I have
0: the two soft covers designed by uh, by Chip Kid. They're be- beautiful, beautiful looking books. There's a I don't know if you saw this, but <laughs> on the inside front cover there's they have some pull quotes or actually one one quote from cartoonist Tony Millionaire and he says, "This book about Dark Knight strikes again. This book looks like it was done by a guy with a pen and his girlfriend with an iMac." And I say to myself, is that a compliment? And I think that's sort of what a lot of this comes down to, right? Because it might be a, you know, obviously it's meant as a compliment, yeah. But whether or not you view that as a positive, I think that's people. People will have differing opinions, and you might. Well, I like think he this left real. it open. Yeah, he had, I think he left it open ending on
1: purpose. He wanted people to read into that, however, you wanted to read into it. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know that guy, but uh, I don't think he's wrong. And you know, one of the things that strikes me about this book is that there was so much packed into the Dark Knight Returns. Right? It's almost like you could spend all night reading just one of those stories. Um, cause it's just, it was too much. I had to like, put it down, give myself a couple of minutes to breathe, go back to it. It wasn't like you could just sit down and let me just read this Batman book. Whereas a dark Knight strikes back. You could just sit down and read this thing in an afternoon and flip, flip, flip. And many of the pages are completely unnecessary. I mean, there's like some scenes where it's like, he's just in the Batmobile and it's like three pages of him just driving down the street or flying in the air. Yeah. And it's unnecessary. Worth- he's really padding it out.
0: Or the, you know, four or five splash pages, silent splash pages where Superman and Wonder Woman's lovemaking is rocking. The oh earth. my God.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's like the earth moved. <laughs> it's
0: like, oh man. So all right, a few things. So number one, with Dark Knight Returns, I think I think you and I are kind of similar to a point where, you know, obviously I was born after it came out, so this wasn't this was something I came to later and was one of those things that was recommended probably by someone, you know, at yeah. the shop. And I it's always it's always been one of those books, kind of like Watchmen, where I've always said that I appreciate it and respect it for what it did for the medium more so than I enjoy it. Until sure. now, because, and this, unlike you, I don't go back to Dark Knight Returns a lot. I go back to year one a lot more. And even now, that's, I still would probably prefer that to Dark Knight Returns. I, yeah. Real, yeah, it's real, a more
1: accessible story too.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. But. So I, I obviously sat down and I, I reread Dark Knight Returns for this episode. And like yourself, I split it up. I think I did it over two two nights because there is a lot in there. And I came away from it, not just appreciating it, but genuinely enjoying it. And you know what the key to unlocking it was? I realized, <laughs> you're going to laugh. I know this is going to sound so silly, but he's Rocky in Rocky Balboa, my favorite movie of the Rocky yeah. franchise. There you go. He's got the stuff in the basement, the beast yeah. inside him, and he has to go out the way he's gotta get out. When when he's in the in the tank, the Batmobile, and it's just down to him and the mutant leader, and yeah. he knows he can just take this guy out from the safety of the tank, but he's gotta he doesn't yeah. know if he can win hand to hand. And that's yeah. what he, he has says to do. And that's yep. what he has to prove to himself. And that's that was Rocky's whole journey in the sixth movie in the franchise, Rocky Balboa. And yeah. it's just sort of clicked for me in a way that it hadn't before. And it's like, oh, boy, I really get this because at some point I'll probably do a Rocky podcast, but uh, I love the character, I love the franchise, and in particular, I love Rocky Balboa. And it's a movie yeah. that has spoken to me in a very, very meaningful way. And I've derived a lot of inspiration and motivation from it in a variety of ways over the years. And it's very, very dear to me. And, and that's, that's what I saw in, in reading this. And I was like, oh man, I just get this in a way that I don't want to say it went over my head before. I mean, I certainly got what the story was doing, but I just connected to it way differently. For sure. That's incredible.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, when you think about it at the very beginning, you know, he's, he's just, having coffee or drinks with uh, Gordon. They're just like, you know, talking about old times, I guess. And then pretty much the next day, he's like, you know what? I'm going to get the mask on again and go beat some people up. And you think about how many people in their 60s are like so apt to do that. But obviously it's in his blood. This is something that he's done. It's even surprising that he did take a hiatus from being Batman. Um, But I mean, he came back with a renewed vigor and he had a purpose. I mean, he needed to clean up the city um, that was in, in turmoil.
0: Well, it's, this whole notion of him being gone obviously ties into Superman's role in all of this, and the, this idea that the public turned against costumed yeah. crime fighters. Right. Right, and Superman sort of made this deal. He uh, he says it in the story. He pledged his obedience uh, and his invisibility for right. a license and their lives. Yeah. And and Bruce has been gone as, as Batman for 10 years, which is interesting. I'm, I'm just coming off of two episodes on Kingdom Come. And okay. in that story, another look at a potential future of the DC universe. Superman's been gone for 10 years. Yeah. So 10, 10 years really seems it's, to be it's a magic a, it's number. Important. Yeah. You know, if you're that's gone the, for like eight or nine years, whatever. But if you're gone for a full decade, it really means a
1: lot. That's, that's you Basically, you don't exist anymore. <laughs> um, re- remind me, so I haven't read Kingdom Come in a while. That's the scene where I think Bruce and Diana go out and visit him. He's on the farm and he's like doing farm stuff. And they're like, hey, you, you kind of got to come back.
0: So Diana yes. goes to get him, yeah. So he's, okay. he's abdicate, abdicated his responsibilities as Superman. He's at the fortress, but it's pro- programmed to look like a farm. So okay. sort of yeah. his two so worlds uh, yeah. you know, merging together. And then, yes, he comes back uh, and, and things the go The scene he
1: him. comes back, right, is at that bar scene, right, where he just like, uh, he goes to the bar and he's like, heat vision just takes off all the bottles at the bar or something like that. I haven't read that story in so, so long. But I always remember that scene it was a very powerful scene.
0: It's, it was great. It was really great to, uh, you know, to revisit that. And I think that also fed into me wanting to do this episode because, you know, looking at Kingdom Come, looking at this, this, again, alternate future of the DCU obviously got me thinking about yeah. Dark Knight Returns and then New Frontier, looking at an alternate past of the DC Universe. Right. So it really, yeah you know, really all sort of, uh, you know, tied together. But as far as Batman's or Bruce's decision to return... I love that whole sequence where, you know, he catches a little bit of Zorro, the Zorro movie that he saw with his parents on the night they were murdered. And, you know, he's, he's seeing all of these news clips about how the city has gone to hell. Right. And he's having these flashes of his parents and he's he's hearing all of this. And, and then there's a moment he, he, he runs outside into the rain and then the bat, the bat comes through the window. Now, did you take that literally or figuratively? Do we think that was literally a bat that there was a
1: return of a bat like there was in the beginning when he became Batman? Yeah. I mean, I don't know, because it's just like the image of the bat face. Right. Yeah. And so it's hard to say. I think that was all like kind of internal. Like that's, you know, the bat that's inside him because you see that bat at a couple of times throughout the story kind of just appear in his head. Um, But I love that idea,
0: whether it was actually there or not, this idea that right. Just as when he started. Uh Yeah. You know, yeah. He, this this vision it, of it, a bat.
1: It's a calling, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And he can't. Yeah, and he knew it. it was the right time. And and again, the the Zorro imagery or the revisiting of the Zorro. We saw it here, and then we also saw it in the Dark Knight Strikes Back, where he gives uh, Luther the uh, the Z on his head, which I thought was so great. Um. Yeah. I mean, that's it's funny because that always comes up early on in Batman lore. Whenever they do like a retelling of the origin story, you see the Zorro, you see how important Zorro was to him as a kid, and then never really again but obviously he's the embodiment of that kind of hero of the people the rogue that goes out and he guys kind of like above the law almost but he's you know going to do it his way
0: you mentioned that there's a lot of closure there was actually one of the questions that I wanted to ask you as I've been wrestling with this myself like obviously we know that there were sequels to the dark knight returns they did dark knight strikes right. again uh, Miller and Brian Azarello did uh, the Master Race, which you and I have not read, but we might. There might be a future yeah. episode on, yeah. on that. And Miller has said that he he plans a fourth concluding chapter. Get out! It's one of those things. That I'll believe it w- when I see it. All right, all right. But in any event, Dark Knight Returns wasn't the end of the story. But my question for you is: When you think of in your heart, when when you when you think of uh, of Dark Knight Returns, do you look at it as? Just a future Batman story or a final Batman story?
1: So absolutely. So I think that if these other sequels hadn't come out, this was the definitive end to Batman, right? So it ends with him faking his own death and kind of fading off in obscurity. And he's going to now be the sidelines character and live out his life that way. And I think that's the way that the character needed to end. Uh, Why they decided or Frank Miller decided to uh, continue it on, I don't know. But I think there was some other closure in there as well. And I think the, the important closure, I think, for a lot of Batman fans is, is the Joker arc, finally. And I think he finally comes to terms with the fact that Joker has to go. And it was always kind of those things where the early Batman stories and pretty much every Batman story except this Batman story, um, you know, there's always that, you know, I can't kill the Joker. You got to, like, you know, seek rehabilitation. Um, But then there's that scene at the carnival where he was like, you know, how many more deaths am I going to allow this guy to do? And then he finally just he's had enough. And, uh, you know, he kills him. I mean, I mean, how many Batman stories end like that? I mean, I think year one potentially can end like that. I don't know how you uh, not year one killing joke uh, can potentially end with the Batman Batman killing Joker. You never really know. I think it says crack at the end um, when he strangles him. But this this one is pretty definitive. I mean, he kills the Joker.
0: Well, um, he's, he 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 starts to kill him, and then Joker Joker finishes just laughing, the job. Right? <laughs> well, he he t- twists his neck the rest like he twists his own. Oh, neck is that is that how it happens at the, the end rest of, of the joke? way? Yeah, yep. but Bruce got him most of the way there. <laughs> the Killing Joke. Have you ever heard Grant Morrison on Kevin Smith's podcast talking about the Killing Joke?
1: No, not at all.
0: It's great. I've probably mentioned it on on another podcast. No, so I, I not remember. I won't belabor okay. the point, but uh, he just goes into this. Uh, uh, Morrison goes by they, so they go into this whole thing about how. Batman kills the Joker and Kevin Smith is like, wait, what are you talking about? And Morrison's like, yeah, like that's the, I won't do I won't, I won't attempt the accent, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> but he's like, that's the joke. <laughs> like That's the killing <laughs> joke. And he, and you know, Batman puts his, his hands around Joker's neck yes. and then we sort of, you know, pull away and the laughter yeah. stops. Right. And, and we know obviously there were more Batman's Batman Joker stories, but in the context of that individual story, Morrison's yeah. argument was that that was the intent of the story was that, was that Batman killed the Joker. So, right. Uh, Yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, whether or not there should be sequels to the dark Knight returns, debatable, whether there should be sequels, debatable, whether the sequels we got were worth it. Also debatable. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I'm with you. I really, I really like dark Knight returns as an ending for the character. Like you said, it really closes that loop with the batman joker story the most central conflict as far as the villains go
1: yeah absolutely and and was it was either in this one or is it in the dark knight strikes back i think it was superman's monologue where it was like it was always going to be me and you in the end anyway it was going to be you know and so and it was the end of that story arc too you know superman essentially you know for the you know for everybody who wasn't in on on it you know he killed uh, or batman died in that fight and i think that again was an important end to that kind of arc as well. Like who's going to outlive each other, Batman or Superman. Um, and, and again, for, for decades, this was definitive, right? This would have been the last story until he decided to pick it back up and and kind of write a sequel um, that I think was unnecessary.
0: Are, are there other quote unquote final Batman stories that, that you like, or that you prefer, I guess. Well, on the one hand, I'm thinking about something like Batman begins where he lives to be a very elderly man and is training a new yeah. Batman, but more, even more specifically, uh, Neil Gaiman's Whatever Happened to the Cape Crusader. What, are you a fan of that?
1: No, you know, I don't know that story offhand.
0: Really? No. I love Neil
1: Gaiman too. I got to look into that one. I'm
0: going to write that down right now. So so this is
1: like a sequel to Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow, I assume, Alan Moore. Not
0: a sequel. It's sort of a spiritual companion, yeah. if you will. So this came out after Batman, quote unquote, died during Final Crisis. It was that period of time. OK. And so it's just a two parter, like whatever happened to the man of tomorrow. But I mean, I don't want to spoil the whole thing for you, although I kind of want to. Because there's something that I want to quote. Me, but that's okay. no, it. I mean, I'll read it anyway. It's fine. <laughs> well, you know, the thing is, there's, I don't know that there's even so much to spoil because it's, it's different than Alan Moore's Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow, where that was. Obviously, character was a big part of it, but it, plot-wise, I mean, it really wrapped up that entire generation, that incarnation of Superman. I mean, you got rid of, of the Superman.
1: Kryptonites, you got rid of everything, but that that kills all like the little animals. I mean, that was like you had to tie up everything. That was like the final, and that was because John Byrne was taking over the character, right? He wanted a the fresh start,
0: right? But in that yeah. story, essentially, all of the all of the things that you always wondered about or that were always building towards, but never actually happened, like. Yeah his identity being discovered and him choosing yeah. between Lois and Lana all of those things they finally happened so it yeah. was a lot about the payoffs i think right whereas whatever happened to the cape crusader was really more almost a thought exercise and and more spiritual it, the 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 gist of it and and i'm really not doing it justice you really should read it it's 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 well worth it yeah but the idea is that batman's dying and he's sort of reliving his life and some of it is not the way he remembered it and he ultimately meets death perhaps in the form of his mother Mm -hmm. and has this whole conversation about the nature of the Batman. And so again, it's not so much the ending to a specific iteration of Batman. You could really read this story as the end to any, any depiction of Batman. It sort of incorporates everything.
1: Yeah.
0: And it's, and it's great. And the, there's some stuff I honestly I tear up reading it it's it's very moving uh, I, I I won't I want you to read it yourself that's right I'm
1: gonna definitely read it this weekend um, uh, I love Neil Gaiman and uh you know I love that it was him that wrote it so obviously uh you know the more Gaiman stuff from Miracle Man so you know Gaiman took over from Moore and so I think it's almost fitting that he took over the second you know the big two big superheroes right you got Batman and Superman and they each wrote something in a very similar vein um that's really interesting.
0: Yeah. So I'm very partial to that, but I do really, really like Dark Knight Returns as an ending for the character. So sequels aside, I think it I think yeah, it I mean, works for, as the yeah, as for, the Omega. I mean,
1: you know, you could you could say like just like the fourth Indiana Jones doesn't exist. Like this book, This Dark Knight Strikes Back, just doesn't exist. It's like the Batman ended with Dark Knight Returns. And and again, it's like, how do you expect him to live beyond that? Right. So he, you know, he's an older man. He I mean, he's brutally beaten by both that mutant leader, by Superman. I mean realistically let's be honest like you know alfred you know can he really uh alfred died right at the end of this thing too it's like who's gonna repair this guy this guys broken man uh so i think again it was like a fitting end that it all kind of ended and it was beautifully wrapped up you know and that was it you got the final scene with him kind of on the ground with the the, the remnants of the mutants with carrie the the, the bat girl i sorry, uh, robin and you know she's uh you know kind of like taken over she's like they're like Plotting what's next.
0: Right, right. This movement that he started, now he's going to train the next generation. Let's take a quick commercial break and then we will continue unpacking all of this. We'll be right back. Acme Comics is a locally owned and operated full service comic book store in Greensboro, North Carolina for people of all ages and walks of life. Since 1983, this nine time Eisner Award nominee uses their collective knowledge and resources to connect you with the best material available they pride themselves on their significant contemporary and vintage back issue selection. Mail order subscriptions to new releases are available and all offerings are available to anyone anywhere via mail order. Follow Acme on social media and eBay. Listen to the Acme cast on all podcast services and visit acmecomics.com for much more. Film lovers and filmmakers should check out this family of film festivals, Brightside Tavern in Jersey city, Hang On To Your Shorts in Asbury Park, Point Lookout on Long Island, and In The Cut in Bloomfield, New Jersey. I was fortunate enough to have my work shown at these festivals, and I found them to be very enjoyable and well-run events. Submission information for filmmakers, as well as details about the festivals generally, can be found at filmfreeway.com. Follow the festivals on social media for news and updates about events, discounts, tickets, and more. Also, be sure to listen to the Hang On To Your Shorts and Cullen On Film podcasts Available via a shared universe network. Fat Moose Comics is New Jersey's best and oldest comic book store. Established in 1982 and currently under new ownership, Moose sells a wide selection of new and old comics from every publisher, action figures, graphic novels, posters, statues, and more. If you're looking for something and they don't have it, they can probably get it for you. They know a guy. Visit Fat Moose in Whippany the next time you're in the Garden State. And be sure to reach out via the Fat Moose Comics Facebook page. Flat Squirrel Productions is an affiliate of BCW Supplies. The next time you need to restock on comic book bags, boards, boxes, and more, be sure to use promo code FSP, that's FSP for Flat Squirrel Productions, to save 10% on your order, and it helps support the show. Thank you. And we're back. I have to return once more to Batman v Superman because one of the other things, aside from the Rocky of it all, one of the other things that I was struck by, and for some people this is going to be like, yeah, duh, but I was struck by how much Snyder pulled from Dark Knight Returns. Certainly I knew in terms of Batman's armored look in the movie and the antagonism between them. I, I saw that from the pages of the comic, but there were a few other things that I didn't realize because again... I don't go back to dark Knight returns every year. I didn't realize came from the comic. I always loved in the movie when we see Bruce's origin that Thomas Wayne goes to make a fist Mm -hmm. when faced with the mugger and that's straight from, from dark Knight returns. So there was that there was also. Yeah, because many of the depictions of the stories don't really have him confrontational.
1: He's usually guarding his wife, the kid, not like, Hey, let's throw down. Um, so you're right. It's almost like a slightly different depiction of Thomas Wayne.
0: Yeah, for sure. Bruce's line about we were always criminals—that you know certainly is there. Superman getting nuked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, yeah, and that's not a minor part in Dark Knight Returns. But I, I just <laughs> never really thought about it. But in Batman v Superman, the government wants to take out Doomsday, and they consider Superman an acceptable loss. So they, yeah, Superman they nuke the whole thing. You know, launches him yeah. into space, and they nuke the both of them. And he's he's fried and then reforms, much like he does in the comic. Yeah. Which going back to the battle between the the two characters and the comic in particular, they really go out of their. Miller goes out of his way to you know to qualify qualify it enough. You know, Superman has has just survived a nuclear blast. <laughs> The fallout is blocking the sun. There's kryptonite. Yeah, he can
1: He's got to recharge from
0: the flowers.
1: Like you know, he's, he's you know in diminished form, but he's still uh, he's still Superman, obviously.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so there's that, and then the you know one of my favorite lines from Batman v Superman. I I see now the inspiration in Dark Knight Returns, though they you know the movie changed it up a little bit. But in in the movie in particular, what I'm thinking of during the battle between Batman and Superman when when Bruce really has Clark against the ropes and he's prepared to go in with that kryptonite spear. Mm-hmm. And he says to Clark, I bet your parents told you you were special that you were sent here for a reason. My parents taught me a different lesson yeah. dying in the gutter for no reason at all. The world yeah. only makes sense if you force it to. Ah, oh, oh. I love it. And it was cool seeing the the origins of that line in the comic.
1: Yeah. It's lifted almost line for line out of the comic.
0: Yeah, so it was like I said, I was just it was just something that I I had not fully appreciated all of the ways that uh, that that the movie took inspiration from the comic. And so actually, I mean, yeah.
1: I, I would imagine that anybody who sat down seriously to make a Batman movie, I mean, how can you not take some of these books, especially you know, The Dark Knight Returns, Year One, and and you know, use these as sort of like a leaping off point for the character or like what motivates the character? I mean, it's hugely influential not only to the movies but also to comic book readers. I mean, I don't think you could fully appreciate. The character without reading some of this stuff, some of these works, these are not throwaway stories where Batman's just helping a lady across the street. I mean, these are really, you know, deep looks into the character, his motivations, and, you know, what drives this guy.
0: At this point, you know, you can't see my, my bookshelves, but I, I've, I've gotten rid of a lot and I've gone digital for space more mm-hmm. than anything else. But, you know, these stories that we're talking about tonight, I I, I, don't, I don't foresee a time when they're not on my shelf.
1: I have like six copies of Dark Knight Returns. I, I have copies to give out. This is my reading copy. It's the one that's like most beat up. I got first printing, but the the actual issues. I mean, I love this story. Um,
0: I, I want to ask you, so I I appreciate your position on the Batman v Superman movie, and I wonder... Yeah, I'm going to rewatch it this weekend, actually, with Logan, now that we're talking about it. But does it does it bug you since you didn't love the movie, yet it did pull so much from Dark Knight Returns? It's one of those things yeah. where... I don't know how how likely it is that in the near future we would see a movie adaptation of the Dark Knight Returns. In large part because so much yeah. of it was utilized. Does that bug you?
1: No, I don't think so. I, I think I appreciate stuff that's that remains in the the, the comic book medium. You know that that you know if you're a fan of the movies, you can go seek out something that's completely unique. And I think comic books in general, they should have that experience. We shouldn't give everything to the fans in some sort of movie form. I think it would be great to watch a movie on this. But I mean, I really love that some of these stories remain so perfect in that print form, um, and so almost nothing can really. Uh, how can you beat it, really? You know, from the from the artwork perspective. I mean, no director is going to come in and just do that. Now, having said that, I thought the movie adaptation of Sin City was incredible. It looked just like the comic book, you know. I think there were scenes that looked just like the panels on the page. And so I know that it can be done, that's for sure. But you know, I, 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 I honestly think that some things need to be left in in the comic, in the printed page, in that media. Um, that's where it began too.
0: Well, I might have my answer then, but have you watched the two-part animated adaptation? No, you've,
1: of yeah, you mentioned that the other day via text. I haven't, and so that's something else I got to watch this weekend. It's was it incredible?
0: So good.
1: Uh-huh. I
0: re- I'm a big fan of it. So, it's, I, I'm encountering this a lot recently. Where in my mind, these movies came, these cartoon movies came out like a couple of years ago. That's <laughs> 2012. It was ten years yeah.
1: ago. Yeah, it's amazing, right? It's ten years.
0: And I remember I watched the two of them on my iPad on a plane. 10 years ago and i liked them but I, again on my ipad on a plane i never thought they much. you can't of appreciate it so i for for this i uh and i actually i i re the movies before i reread the comic because i was just like all right let me let me just get yeah. in the zone of dark knight yeah. returns and it's less an adaptation and more of a translation i mean it's a really basically page for page
1: that's incredible and they all did right. it over
0: oh. two movies so it's I, I really, off the top of my head, and I'm sure someone could point to something, but off the top of my head, I really can't think of anything that they changed, especially changed in a significant way. It's very, very faithful.
1: Okay, I'll watch it. And this is unlike the uh, the Long <laughs> Halloween movie adaptation that we talked about last time. Yeah, we
0: so talked it was about that. a little that, bit like, changed. Yeah, no, this is now... I'm going to jump ahead for a second. Have you watched the new frontier cartoon movie?
1: I did, but I also like you watched it in like a very disposable manner where I was just kind of, I was, I remember watching it on my laptop computer and so I enjoyed it and this is now it's gotta be 10 years ago also. So I haven't watched it again.
0: Try 15. (laughs) It's
1: been 15. Does it hold up?
0: It does. I I rewatched it. So I'm going to bear with me for a second as I mount a defense of this new frontier movie, because it's taken a lot of flack over the years and the main criticism of it. Is that it's too short? You know, it's seventy-five minutes. They cut out a significant portion of material. That yeah. entire opening sequence with the losers on Dinosaur Island gone. Oh, okay. Most of the challenges of the unknown stuff gone. However, and this is what I'm saying with dark, the Dark Knight stuff. That really was a translation. It was they did it over okay. two movies. They had the time and they did it very faithfully. For better or worse, and arguably, you know, look, at the end of the day, if they could have done New Frontier over two movies, would I have preferred that? Sure. But at the time, the parameters were 75 minutes. Oh. So in that context, I think they did a really good job of adapting it and keeping the, the heart of the story while jettisoning a lot of the, of the I don't want to say extraneous material, but New Frontier, and we'll get more into it shortly, is the sprawling tapestry Oh, it's a huge canvas, absolutely. And, and there's stuff that you you can remove and still keep, a, you know, a, a narrative intact. And that's what the movie right. did. And in fairness, the movie is called Justice League: The New Frontier. It's not called DC: The New Frontier. And so they okay. focus yeah. on Hal and Barry. the Justice League. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and makes and sense. I think it works. And they actually there's one scene they added that I wish had been in the comic. Shall I? Let me just. I'll just get into it. I don't next. remember I, it now. I don't want to forget yeah. later. So, in the movie. Essentially, you know, in the comic, the 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 conversation between Superman and Wonder Woman above Paradise Island, mm-hmm. where yeah. she says we need a leader. Yeah. In the movie, they essentially give the that speech to Lois. So Superman and Lois are on the rooftop of the Daily Planet, and she mm-hmm. expresses the same thing about we need a hero. The reason why I so it's not even so much adding a scene as it is giving the content of the scene to a different character. But the reason why I always like that was you read the comic, yeah. And Superman and Wonder Woman, there's a lot of tension. There are a lot of intimate moments. They have these heart to heart conversations. She kisses him when she's been wounded, yeah. Uh, and, and and she arrives at, at Cape Canaveral. And then at the end of the story, when Aquaman brings him back, Aquaman's like, he's asking for Lois. And it's like, we've never seen Superman and Lois interact in the story. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like the early scene,
1: right? When you finally meet, when you meet Lois the first time, I think she's on the arm of Bruce Wayne, right? Isn't she like with uh, Bruce and that's yeah, yeah. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. So it's one of those things. Yes. As comic book fans, we know Superman and Lois. And Lois. Yeah, for sure. So it makes sense. But But in in the 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 context, it's not there. Yeah, you're right. And you have, if you were, if you were Diana- You'd be like, what the hell? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I
1: I will say this. Most movie, most Hollywood, they have better continuity checkers. And so somebody must have said,
0: hey, I think uh, there's a problem here. Yeah, I think that was – I really do think that was a good call. But at the end of the day, I I really will defend that new Frontier animated movie. I think within the confines that – Yeah, I remember enjoying it. Absolutely. You know, it it, it really did a good job. So – uh, you know, in any event, there's that. But I, for, I do recommend for you that that two part Dark Knight Returns and oh, P- Peter Weller Robocop does the voice yeah. of Batman.
1: Oh, he's perfect for that.
0: OK, great. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's good stuff. Other other things I wanted to ask you about with Dark Knight Returns. And, you know, look, we're not doing a, an issue by issue or page by page breakdown. This thing has been covered endlessly yeah, elsewhere. Yeah. So I, I really m- more interested in the personal connections to it. So we talked about the Joker and we'll we'll get more into the Superman of it, but the, the two other chapters in the book deal with, in, in large part, Dent, who's mm-hmm. been cured, in theory, both mentally and physically, of his Two-Face uh, persona, and then this new mutant gang. I guess, on the note of Dent, because as far as the, the traditional rogues gallery, Joker and Dent are the are the two main ones who we really spend time with. We see Selina, but it's really those two. Joker, I think we, we can agree makes sense. If there were one other villain to spotlight, do you feel like Dent was the appropriate choice yeah
1: i mean i think so i mean i think the world that that frank miller has here i mean i think he kind of almost you know i I don't know if you want you want to say that this is its own continuity thing where it's like his own batman story and all the history of the batman follows but i mean the most believable characters are obviously the da turned uh into uh uh, two-face and i think the joker these these are characters that you can you, you can appreciate that could happen in real life right i mean this is something else whereas you know killer croc i you know i don't see killer croc make an appearance or mr freeze and things like that um certainly uh if there was a real catwoman woman in appearance in this would have been wonderful but she wasn't in the dark knight returns but she makes an appearance later in the uh strikes back right Well, she's, so, so she's
0: there as selena she runs the escort agency but isn't that in the second one no that's in returns because joker oh, joker sure. ties her up
1: oh that's right yes right oh that's right and she's like oh it's he's even worse than ever you're right you're absolutely right i'm sorry it's okay i'm getting them both confused (laughs) jesus um but yeah but if you made an appearance as as, uh, catwoman it would be incredible but uh i don't know is there somebody that you think that should have been the mutant gang was a little strange right but you had to like think about like you know it's it's been 10 years things have changed it's now a different gang running in the streets And i think that was important to highlight that there's always going to be a new threat um
0: yeah, that's what I was going to ask you, and I, I agree. It's one of those things where we have limited real estate here, and we're spending a good bit of it on this new threat. But I think, for all the reasons you just said, it it's worth it to yeah. do. So, so I like that a lot. Uh, and it also feeds into
1: like you know the continuation after he steps down as Batman. Who's going to take over? And I think that was an important thing to kind of build in these kind of these this rogues gallery of these mutants that now have like fallen under his leadership. Um, They're a little rough around the edges at first, but I think that you know certainly in the Dark Knight Strikes Back, they they shows that he has them now dressed up as little Batman with weird bat ears, you know, and fighting crime.
0: It's you keep calling it Strikes Back, it strikes again.
1: Strikes again. I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah, well, it's it's not striking anywhere on my list.
0: I want to say I want to I want to share this. You'll appreciate this as far as Dark Knight Strikes Again. And don't worry, we're gonna get more into the. The Superman of it all. We're getting there. This is one of my favorite types of episodes where I feel like there's so much to cover and we only yeah. have limited time. And it's like, but I love it. It's like, like for yeah. me, I don't know how the audience feels, but it's like very exciting. I love it. I reached out to Brandon Montclair. Oh, yeah. So, like you said, Brandon, How's Brandon, doing? Brandon was, well, we didn't make much small talk. We really got right into it, but I, I did. I said, I hope all is well. So, Brandon, like you said, was one of the owners of our old shop, Alternate Realities. That's we we met him through through Alternate Realities, and then he went on to have this career as a comic book editor and and writer. He's done Moon Girl and Devil yep. Dinosaur and Rocket Girl and a bunch of other stuff. And we've kept in touch with him. And I remember, so I want to shift to Dark Knight Strikes again for a second. And I think would I go so far as to really mount a passionate defense of it? No, but it was better than i remembered I, and i, I okay. but i do think there's a way that you sort of have to approach it in order to get something out of it but yeah. this came out the three issues they were very delayed but they i remember they came out between the end of 20 of 2001 and summer 2002 the okay. three issues came yeah. out so That's when the right. when the first yeah. issue came out i was shopping at alternate realities but not yet working there i was a freshman in high school i had probably read dark knight returns not that long ago mm-hmm. and I just remember being very excited for it. I think everyone was very excited for it. So yeah, a lot of expectations of yeah. about it. and I, I even went to Midtown Comics did a signing with Frank Miller and I my mom took me there and I went oh, and I yeah. met him and I was like I love your daredevil I had just read his daredevil I was like I love yeah. your daredevil run and I got you know I still have the Dark Knight Strikes Again number one that he signed and by the time issues two and three came out especially number three I was working at alternate realities like I remember unpacking and counting yeah. Dark Knight Strikes Again number 3. So there's that little bit of personal connection where I have, you know, that just sort of conjures those those memories for me. Yeah. But I remember and I know you do too. I remember poor Brandon speaking so highly of Dark Knight Strikes Again. Yeah. And everyone just dumping on it. Well, I think a lot of people at the time it's like, well, you just don't get it. Yeah. I think that was part of it. And it's like, well,
1: I don't know, if, I mean, explain it. And then it's it's really hard to get it. Um, you know, there's the obvious plot, then there's like, you know, a lot of unnecessary stuff in there. Um, And I guess I just don't get it at the end of the day. I hate to say it. This is a book that I just don't get. And I, you know, I I love jazz, right? So my favorite kind of music is jazz. I listen to a lot of like 50s and 60s jazz. I listen to a lot of free jazz. And people listen to the stuff I listen to. And they're like, well, it sounds like two seagulls fighting each other, you know, And, and, and I guess they don't get it, right? But I guess like for some reason, I can get into it. I can really enjoy it and appreciate it. And, and i guess it's with this comic book i think people can really appreciate it for something that it is and then there's people like me that i just don't get it i just haven't wrapped my head around it maybe i haven't read it enough times um i just don't know what it is about this book but i think part of it is that it's hard for me to engage it with I, you know i'm a huge fan of the art uh, of art in comics and i think the art really distracts from it uh the coloring it's just not really where it should be. It looks like you said, it was colored on an iMac computer and there was like really no shading. It's just like monotone red here, blue. And and so it's really kind of an ugly comic, hard to engage. And then the depictions of things, right? So the Dark Knight Returns, you had like that, you know, the white noise of the, the news reporters throughout. And I thought that was right. You can read it. There's a lot of like subplots and there's there's great content there if you sit down and and, and read it. But with this one, I felt like, towards the second book or the third book with the sex girls or whatever they were calling themselves, it just became like, I just got to skip this page. It's like, I don't even know what you're saying. And so it's a kind of book where, you know, I'm not used to just like looking at the pictures and, and kind of bypassing the story. This is a Frank Miller story. Don't get me wrong. I just like, I, I'm not pulled in the way that some of his other works do daredevil. Like you said, I could read daredevil, Frank Miller daily with the ninjas, Electra. you can read that all day. Um, but this, for whatever reason, uh, maybe the characters he chose, the story he chose—I don't know. It just didn't seem believable to me. What it was does Brandon had a, ta- a new take, a uh, new perspective on this?
0: Well, it's funny. So I said to him, I, I was like, you know, I'm going to be talking to Bill about this, and you know, we remember that you were always high on it at the store, and everyone yeah. was crapping on it. Is there a key to unlocking? Yeah. What's one's the enjoyment? rocky
1: moment to, to enjoy this one? And he
0: said, "There's no key." He goes, <laughs> but he laid out a, at a bunch. But I'll, I'll, I'll sort of, you know, just uh, give a quick summary. But he spoke about how about the humor of it, not just in in the in the latter, but even in Dark Knight Returns. And I and I I do sort of wonder because obviously people have taken it, Dark Knight Returns in particular, very seriously. But there, you know, there is humor in there, and and Bruce takes such glee and delight in in what he's yeah. like. There's funny stuff yeah. in there, and the you know yeah. the mutant followers, you know, Rob and Don, right, as, yeah, as yeah. they bounce from from leader to leader. Like there, there's uh-huh. funny stuff yeah. in there. So he you know he mentioned the humor uh the i think the more than anything the thing that brandon said and he i appreciate he really took the time to write out a very thoughtful uh lengthy response but i think the 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 big takeaway for me was miller's ability to immerse you in a world and i, I guess you know you might like you might like it or you might not but you really are are pulled in and yeah. and kind of with that in mind uh i i was able I guess to enjoy it more than I had in the past. And I, I have been very dismissive of it and I certainly understand why people are. And I, you know, I, I I can't, this is the thing. It's like, I can't disagree with anything you're saying, especially when you compare it to Dark Knight Returns. You know, those were, you know, dense pages and they were tight. And, you know, you look at yeah. these and again, I mean, there are, there are no backgrounds. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there are no backgrounds. Uh, yeah. and, and it's a very breezy read, uh, especially compared to the first. But, and that was one of Brandon's other points was that, you know, Miller wasn't setting out to do title aside, right? He wasn't setting out to do the Dark Knight Returns two. He really mm-hmm. wanted to do something completely different, and and I, I think this is one of those instances where, like I said before, you have to wonder: is it even worth it to do a sequel because people are going to have so so much expectation? The expectation, yeah, it's so high. And so, if you're the creator, you're like, well, I'm going to do something wildly different, and it <laughs> doesn't line up yeah. with yeah. with anyone's vision of it. It's just it's it's a tough. It's a tough sell, so I get why people didn't like it. But I think, in the context of look, he wanted to do something totally different. He's going to create this wacky world, and like and bring it would, you he, into he it. succeeded. <laughs> yeah, You see
1: exactly. What if he set out to do that? He did it. Yeah, um, so that's for sure.
0: Like I said, would I come away from it, loving it. No, but I, I did. I enjoyed it more, I guess, than yeah, than I had before. Yeah. Oh, for for what and like and, and
1: again, that. I say I, I don't hold a candle up to I mean Frank Miller is incredible like I mean I'm nothing compared to Frank Miller but it's just not a story of his that I I would want to pick up again I'm glad that I read the, again I don't know if I'll you know I'll probably flip through it every now and again you know like I do whenever the book on my shelf to see if I want to read something but you know as I flip through it now it's just like oh man
0: and it's you know the one thing that I I don't I don't know the answer I I can't know the answer to this but the art like we said, is, is very, I don't know if everyone describe rough certainly I think is a fair word to describe it and I don't yeah. know how much of that was he didn't have Klaus Janssen inking him, how much of it was he was experimenting with the new style, how much of it was a decade and a half had passed and he wasn't where he yeah. was before, I don't know how much of it was I'm um, falling behind and DC needs this book and yeah. this support. like I really don't know. It could be any
1: number of things, yeah.
0: It could be any of those things. So, if it was a choice, then it's like, well, okay, you know, fair enough. <laughs> but if yeah. it was one of those other factors, then if it's more a matter of just not executing it to the level that he wanted it to be, that's something else. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wondered. So
1: when I was rereading this, I, you know, I even said to myself, I said, I wonder if the art was a little different. You know, you know, how much more I would be, you know, involved or engaged in reading this. And I think, I think the art goes a long way um, with com. I mean, obviously, it's a it's an art media, right? And so. For, for me, I think if the art was different, maybe if it was that similar nineteen eighties style, um yeah, it might it might have a I you might have a different opinion of this book. And that's and it's sad to think that, you know, you can you can look at this book and, you know, divorce it story from the art, but it's in this case it's hard. Um with this art. I hate to say
0: it. This certainly was never adapted, but I was saying to myself, I you know well, I, I
1: think it would be very hard of a story to adapt. It's it's very disjointed at some some
0: points i think see i think there's a path forward if anyone at warner brothers animation uh wants to talk i feel like you got the answer i I don't know that i have the answer but i i think that i think there's something here i don't think i know this wouldn't be like dark knight returns where they were able to translate it beat for beat it would need Mm -hmm. to be something different but i think that there is a way to sort of maybe give a little bit more structure to it and again i think so much of of people's disappointment with this does stem from the art and the way it was presented so i think if you yeah. remove that element and sort of animate it the way the first one was animated maybe with a little different coloring because i think you know that yeah f- for better or worse this does have a very different distinct visual look to it yeah. so i think to whatever extent that could be emulated maybe in the coloring of of an animated movie fine but i think generally if it's a more traditional frank miller-esque uh you know uh, art style on screen with maybe a little bit more structure to, i think i i think there's a path to a a good movie
1: and and, and, you know i agree with you there's parts of this this book that are brilliant i think that you know obviously the continuation of the cat Girl character so she went from robin to being cat Girl. there's that whole like kind of story arc then like there's the superman government stooge that's kind of being manipulated by luther with uh you know the the bottle city kind of held ransom for him to be obedient you got the superman daughter aspect with wonder woman i mean i think there's a lot that would be a great movie in there um so if you know if they were done to like you said tighten up this story and turn it into something that i mean i think yeah there's something there for sure because I don't think anybody else has used Superman quite in this manner, right, where he's basically being held as a, a prisoner to Luther. I mean, and you wonder how this even happened, to be honest with you. Like, you know, how did this, he, he, he get the one over with the Bottle City. Um, but, you know, I, I think that it could be done for sure if somebody else came in and, and tried to polish up this story.
0: Yeah, I, I, I do. What's funny, too, is, and I guess I do appreciate that this went in a different direction in this respect, that. This doesn't read as much of a as as much of a Batman story as it does a, a DC story. Yeah, I mean he barely yeah, even appears in the characters. first issue. <laughs> yeah, well there's a lot of characters in this. Yeah? yeah, you know, were there some strange
1: characters I might add? Yeah, you know? El- elongated man, you got Plastic Man. You know, those are not the typical superheroes that people pull out. You know, I mean obviously New Frontier we didn't even see these guys, um, and they they kind of talked about most of the heroes in the DC universe in the Silver Age. True. Um, so it was strange to see some of the guys that they used, or that Miller used. You know what were you gonna say? Fair enough.
0: No, I was gonna say I, I don't disagree with that. We also do have some of the the usual suspects, and a lot of of the meat of Dark Knight Strikes Again is Batman and his team rescuing the the Justice Leaguers who have been mm. in, imprisoned or incapacitated yeah. or who, who have fled. Yeah, and I was curious because again we see we see Ray Palmer. I thought of you, Ray Palmer, in the Petri dish and, as a oh, scientist. Well, you going to be trapped. <laughs> no, <laughs> you would be dish. the one trapping okay. him. You would be the one conducting the experiments. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> but you know there was that we had Barry Allen, you know, powering. A city. Yeah, the whole city. <laughs> yeah, I was just. Were there any? Were there any? uh any reveals or, or or appearances especially with those other dc characters that you were particularly struck by that you thought either either worked or didn't work in terms of Oh,
1: i thought the, the manhunter was great and you know it's unfortunate how he met his end that's for sure but uh you know I, i've always loved martian manhunter and i think he was also great in new frontier as well he's a great character to, to pull out and i don't think he's used that often and he's another guy that at some point, they're going to bring him into the Justice League universe, right? He makes the appearance at the end of the the Zack Snyder cut. Um, he was a, you know, I was very happy to see him. I'm trying to think of who else was uh, somebody that was really notable.
0: Well, Hal Jordan was out living in space in a completely oh, what different was form, <laughs> little dinosaur Hal Jordan guy <laughs>
1: in his dinosaur family. Like, what is this?
0: And then he he is able to palm the entire Earth, and and yeah. is that something
1: it. that he could do? So I, you know, I was thinking about that, right? And so immediately what i thought of was obviously at some point he becomes the specter right and the specter has this type of power where he can be like there's that comic i think that looks just like that specter cover where he's like holding the whole world so maybe Hal jordan has some of those powers still from left over from when he was a specter
0: i think you're probably giving the story more credit i i feel like that was just something that he was able to do yeah <laughs>
1: That's for sure.
0: As we, as we close in on a on hundred on one hour here. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, why? You know what's So it's so funny to me because whenever yeah. I talk to guests about the, the running time of the episodes, yeah, yeah. especially during or after it, people are always apologetic. And the thing is there is one common denominator in all of these yeah. episodes. <laughs> it's me. It's all you. <laughs> so Let's talk more about oh, it, Superman for anyone who's like, my God, finally, it's like, I wanted to, I wanted to spend the time talking about yeah, the works yeah, in yeah. and of themselves. And it'll, I have, I have a flow in mind for all of this. So let's talk about Superman and Superman as this government student, because we do get, mm-hmm. and this was, I guess this was the aspect of Dark Knight Strikes Again, that it's not even so much, oh, I loved it, but it was very interesting to me, the differences between Returns and Strikes Again. So yeah. starting with Returns, superman does not get a ton of play he's far more of a player in mm-hmm. in dark knight strikes again the first time he appears in dark knight returns we don't even see him you know we oh, just that's see. such
1: a great introduction to him it's like that faster than a speeding bullet or whatever it's like and he stops a locomotive and it's and it's again it's revealed in the news story uh that he's making the appearance and then even when he like makes the appearance bruce is during that like uh at the bodega and and he's like not now I'm busy. You don't even see Superman in that panel until like the next couple of pages, but you know it's Superman obviously. But uh you're right, he doesn't it's not a normal Superman like heroic like I'm here with my hands on my my hips
0: uh coming in. Right. Well, it is. I guess when he gets to the stables oh, he, with Bruce. He, yeah, he does. He's he's kind of like that. <laughs> no, I was even thinking about even before that that subway scene when he's when he's uh getting his marching orders from Reagan. Oh, yeah. Uh, where you really just see like the colors of his costume and, uh, and and, and Reagan's telling him what to do and and calling him a good boy.
1: Yeah. 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 Very, very patronizing. Yeah. Well, and so, you know, you wonder, so you're talking about, this is not the typical depiction of Superman. And so you wonder like what he's doing. And if, if this is his role, uh, as depicted in the comic, what does he do with the, the other part of the time? Is he sitting at the White House waiting for the the, the, the next job? Is he the, still the same guy who's off fighting crime in, in Metropolis? I mean, what does he do besides just like whatever is he's being ordered to do? It's hard to know uh, when you only see him in this light.
0: Yeah, it, it's it's tough. There's so much at play here, and you know, one of the things I guess that colors this in in a, in a very particular way is is how negatively Reagan is depicted here. Yeah. Because, L, well, yeah, what?
1: Well, I was going to say, this is during the Reagan era or right afterwards, yeah. right? And so, I mean, it's clearly where the political uh, politics of Frank Miller lie. That's for sure.
0: Right. And I, on that note, and without even, even necessarily getting political myself, I will just say that in all of these stories, this idea of the government, you know, not having people's best interests at heart, mm-hmm. of, of really not being able to trust them, of how they manipulate I, that resonates with me a lot more now after the recent years that we have lived through than it did when I first read these as a kid. So that, that aspect of it definitely, again, strikes me in a, in a more meaningful way than it did before.
1: Right. This was an outlet, you know, to, so for him to, you know, talk a little bit about his politics, what was going on at the time. And like you said, we, we definitely saw some of that and, you know, the outrage over the last kind of administration for sure.
0: When when they're at the stables and and he's wearing the you know you see a bit of his chest the shirt open a, you know, yeah the, the white yeah. shirt what what do you think of that look it's an interesting I mean, look. It's, it's a nice look I mean it's he's <laughs> it's Clark head on the weekend look you know he's out to mingle yeah <laughs> but he so again we don't see a lot of him he gets his orders from Reagan he has right. this outdoor scene as Clark with you know it's between Clark and Bruce where right. he is trying to get Bruce to to back down you know Bruce has now yeah. reentered the arena as batman and he's making noise he's starting this movement and the government doesn't want that and right clark says sooner or later someone with authority is going to bring me to ask yeah, me, me to bring to get you me. in and yeah batman's yeah. like well you know no one can make you do anything yeah and then he gets pulled away and we, we get a little bit more insight through superman's inner monologue right as yeah. he's in court of maltese and he's dealing with this right. u.s soviet tension right yeah, and
1: he's like, in his head, in the monologue, he's like, you know, why don't you just playing ball kind of thing, like I am, almost. And it, and it's sad to see that that's what Superman is reduced to in this story, that he's just, you know, he's the patsy. He's just like, he'll do whatever he's told, and why isn't, you know, Bruce falling in line? And it's And it's sad to see Superman like that, because again, I mean, I don't know too many Superman stories, but you don't think of him typically as this guy who just is, you know fighting crime because he's being asked to fight crime. He's, you know, it's that altruistic, like, Hey, uh, truth justice, the American way I'm fighting for good, but it doesn't seem that way here. It seems like, you know, you're, you're, you're our attack dog. You know, you gotta stop this war. You gotta do this. You gotta do that. And that's what he's being used for. Um,
0: Right. And, and we get in that, in that debriefing with, with Reagan, I think we get this, this notion that Superman is not used for dip for domestic Uh, domestic events, right? That he's this international operative. And Superman says a couple of things when he's in Cordo Maltese through the, through the narration uh, about the envy of the people. And then the, the line that really stood out was we must not remind them that giants walk the earth. Yeah. Right. This idea that the public so turned on the heroes and that Superman's path forward, his way to save people both within his community and also in the world at large, was to make, to broker this deal where he's not going to... So to your point, no, I don't think he's really... I mean, unless he's really doing it on the sly, Mm -hmm. I don't think he's fighting crime in Metropolis the way he was. I think it's really he is deployed overseas to further the
1: the agenda the, the, the international American agenda,
0: agenda of, yeah. of the government and that's really it which is very similar to what we see a lot of parallels in that respect with what we see in new frontier oh absolutely and yet it, yeah it, again as a superman fan man a lot of this is really really tough but i do i can appreciate when superman says you know something to the effect of like well why you know why can't you go along with this why can't you well, compromise like i like look, like i've taken the hit for us And, and you're, you're messing it up. You know, at the same time, Bruce has this line about, about how Clark sold them out and gave them the power. And there is sort of that aspect of if you really didn't want to go, I mean, and I, you know, we don't know everything that led to that moment. So it's hard to say, but it is one of those things where it's like, well, with the power that you have. If you like wanted this, to yeah. exert your will in a way to to prevent this from happening, probably you could have, but it would have meant going up against what you've been raised to believe in.
1: You know, he's a farm boy, right? And he was raised by his, his you know, Pa Kent, and I think he has a certain set of moral values. And I think part of it is, you know, disobedience, right, to the country and to, you know, and, and I think a lot of that comes into play there with him kind of falling in line and becoming, just kind of this strong arm of America. Um, sad to say that 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 could be like an outcome for this character, but you know, this is not how he's always depicted. That's for sure. But, you know, in the world where, you know, the superheroes are kind of turned into criminals and outlaws and vigilantes, you know, this is an appropriate role. I think for Superman, he would be the the face of the superheroes trying to maintain, you know, protect his friends and protect society. And this is how he probably figures out the best balance to that or with you know, is is just by being the the stooge. I love that word stooge that we're calling him.
0: The stooge, <laughs> yeah, I I mean I, I keep coming back to that. And metatextually it's it's interesting because this comic, right, Dark Knight Returns, was doing something very different than yeah. what traditional mainstream superhero comics were doing at the time. And also within the context of the story, the Batman character is doing something that's going up yeah. against the status quo. As represented by Superman, and we know even going back to the, the 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 Golden Age of of the Superman character, and I've covered this on the show. You know, he starts out as the social crusader. He's he's yeah. taking in wife beaters and saving people who who've been wrongfully, uh, you know, sentenced to death, and yeah. very social minded. And then we see between World War II and the Wortham uh, investigations, we see him change. Just as the entire industry changed, but particularly Mm -hmm. Superman into this symbol of America of the status quo. So I guess that's my question for you. Do you feel like Superman was an appropriate? He's the boss, he's the final boss. uh, You know, if we're looking at it like a video game. Yeah. Is he he an appropriate final adversary for Batman?
1: Absolutely. I mean, who else could could it be? Well, but
0: I guess uh, so I know I kind of laid out reasons why it makes sense for it to be Superman, but at the same time, it's not like it's so funny, because I feel like now when we think of Batman and Superman, at best we think of them as somewhat uneasy allies who respect each other but have differences. but yeah. or you think of them as 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 really opponents and adversaries. And I think informed in large part by this, but prior to this, to the best of my knowledge, I mean, that's typically not how their relationship was. So I feel like this I mean, unless did you, I mean, are you aware like I feel like this was a big departure in terms of how that they were depicted against each other?
1: I mean, I don't think there was many stories, right? I mean, there was the world's finest. I mean, they were a superhero team. Um, I think that uh, this comes, you know, in the 80s. You think about how Batman and Superman were depicted in other comics and, and other media in the 80s. This was a huge departure for that character. Uh, that's for sure, both Superman and Batman. And I think it was important to see the different aspects of both of them. Um, you know, I think at the same time, I'm sure uh, Keith Giffen was doing the Justice League, right? Which was a very like slapstick humor versions of Superman and Batman making appearances. And so now you have a very serious take on these characters in roles that, you know, I mean, I don't think Batman is so different than he normally is, but Superman certainly is uh, taking on a different role. Um, and you're right. He's an adversary in this more than anything else.
0: For sure. And I, I think it's interesting too, when, when Superman is, is thinking and he's talking about how when the parents groups and the subcommittees came mm-hmm. for the superhero community. They singled out Batman and again, really evoking what happened in the real world with yeah. Wortham and, and those, and those Senate yeah. hearings that led to the creation of the comics code authority right. and the industry yeah. neutering itself and really playing it safe for a really long time. So I, again, in that sense, I mean, it really, again, thinking of it in the context of what actually happened in the real world, it really does track in in the, in the pages of the comic.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I never really put that together, but you're a hundred percent, right? You know,
0: so, so there's that aspect, just a quick side note. What, what do you think of, uh, again, it happens prior to the events of this and, and we don't see it, but, um, Ollie loses an arm thanks to Superman.
1: Yeah. You wonder, I'm sure, I'm sure he burned it off. Right. I mean, I mean, I don't think Superman's the kind of guy ripping his arm off, but there must've been some event he needed to stop him from doing something. And he shot his freaking arm off with his heat vision. Right. That's what I assumed happened. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't know oh. how you took that.
0: Yeah, same. Yeah, I assumed it was. I assumed and what it was a, what a
1: castration! I mean, when you think about it, right? This guy who's like a greatest archer on earth, and you cut his arm off. I mean, that's that's something.
0: Yeah, still I mean, got his could, teeth. I mean, though.
1: you're Superman. You can go for the bowstring or something, right? Like, come on, that's that's something else. I know. And, but he didn't do the same thing with Batman. You wonder why, right? You could you can see a million different ways he could have done the Batman. I'm sure, but yeah, you know, poor Ollie uh, Queen got it.
0: It's funny because in a lot of ways, Bruce, despite their animosity, Bruce really does Clark a solid in this. Because Clark's in this, in this spot where unfortunately he, you know, he's not willing to rebel. Mm -hmm. How far would he have gone? I don't know. Again, you see what he did with Ollie. So you you do sort of wonder, would he have, you know, really, really maimed Bruce? Would he have killed Bruce? I don't know. Would he have taken him in at a minimum? and Bruce did him the solid of faking his death and, and when you get to the end and, and Clark's at the funeral and he hears yeah. the heartbeat yep and he winks. Now going back to whatever I, again I love seeing how these stories bounce off of each other. you go back to whatever happened to the man of tomorrow and the last time we see Clark in that story he, there's but that he walks wink. away yeah yeah you know, very different context but still this yep. idea and and like we said, if we're thinking of Dark Knight Returns as the final Batman story, another final DC story ending with a <laughs> Superman wink interesting yeah. but but I, i'm mixed on this the whole idea of superman knowing that bruce is still alive but
1: well i think he 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 believes the status quo now is is restored right and he right. thinks that okay i guess the status quo what you know maybe the reason he didn't have to maim bruce was that bruce just decided okay i'll retire and you won't hear from me again and superman was probably okay with that arrangement and i guess the faking death is him saying without saying it hey i'll i'll, I'll just go back into obscurity you don't have to worry about me
0: Exactly. You know, and
1: I did. I did what I had to do,
0: and that's so. essentially what ollie says, right? Like they let me live because I, I operate in secret and I'm not a pro. I don't make waves. Yeah. Right. So I think what you said is 100% it, but it definitely makes me lose even more respect for for Clark there because I think you look. I think the way that scene plays, it's like, oh, like it's this wink, and he's in on it, blah blah blah. But like, yeah,
1: yeah. what do you no, want to do, him to dig up the grave, and it's like we're not over no. here. <laughs>
0: what do you want to do <laughs> no it's not that i want him to t- No, i i guess i want him to come over more to the side of batman and fighting for freedom but it's like he's willing to let this go because it preserves the status quo i don't know that yeah, but, he's so, really evolved
1: yeah but his redemption arc isn't until the dark knight strikes uh, again it, exactly right? that's where he gets his redemption and he, he breaks that cycle um right and so you don't necessarily know that if he's the government stooge because they've had the bottle city held captured this whole time under reagan but certainly under Lex. And I think that it must have been a very easy transition whenever Lex assumed power that he tried to get you know, Clark. And then the only way to get him maybe was by, by holding the millions of people ransom. Um, but certainly I think Batman, again, was the one who saved him from this cycle. And he's like, you're, you know, you're taking orders from me. And then Superman's daughter is like, who the hell are you? And he's like, you're taking orders from me, girl. That was such a great scene. you know.
0: But your, your point is spot on and very well taken that that switch doesn't happen until that story. And and this is once again the thing that I have to keep reminding myself of, especially with Dark Knight Returns, it's not the story is not about Superman's evolution or his right. growth. His his right. is not the narrative we're following here. And that's one of the things that's tough. Going back to Snyder's Justice League, but I loved it. I did two episodes on it, I talked about it a lot. Yeah. It's not Superman's story. He has a he has a crucial part to play, but that story is really about the rest of them coming together. And bringing him back it's like we know once superman comes back steppenwolf is done so it's really just yeah. you know yeah. uh you know, so it's really not his his journey and i i have come to be able to appreciate stories like these where mm-hmm. uh a- a- again like he has a specific part to play but it's not necessarily his yeah, story. he's an
1: ensemble character right right yeah exactly. and i think he's good and used like that I And mean, you know otherwise
0: it's just like uh you know
1: It's like, you know, why did Lord of the Rings, they didn't just drop the ring with the giant eagles and just be done with it? You know, there was a whole story involved. And I think the same thing Superman is so powerful, like, you use him to his full potential. I mean, most of these comic books can be over in two pages. And so I think, uh, you know, I think he's good as part of a team. He's certainly not the brightest, right? Batman always kind of makes, you know, rubs that in. I think his plans are more methodical and thought out. And I think Superman is good when utilized properly. But, uh, you know, if he was just, Bruce strengthening it every time. And I mean, I think he would kill all these supervillains. Be done. <laughs> True. You wouldn't have a problem with Joker and all these people. I mean, Superman could do it in an afternoon. He could just everybody's gone.
0: And well, just one last thing about Dark Knight Returns before we we shift is going back to the Joker of it all, by Joker finishing himself off, but making it look like Batman killed him. Yeah. That's yeah. that's really what seems to push things over the edge. Like now he's really crossed the line. Yeah. and now superman has to intervene. So the final revenge yeah. of the joker. It's it, it, <laughs> it's it's it screwing batman.
1: Well. Yeah. yeah. It does play well.
0: All right, so let's now shift and get a little bit more into superman's role in The Dark Knight Strikes Again. So one big turn for for superman in particular in Dark Knight Strikes Again is that here he's not serving the government because he's trying to keep the peace per se. Here it's mm-hmm. it's blackmail right luther right. and brainiac are behind the government now the president is a hologram and they threaten to destroy candor unless superman serves now you, b- you alluded to this earlier i i maybe this is open to interpretation i i get the sense that this was a shift like i don't think there was this level of leverage over him previously i think he did what he did again mm-hmm. to keep the peace among in between the, the the public and the superhero community i feel like there's been a change in the three years between the yeah, stories
1: this is something new you're right
0: what do you think of this i, I i'm kind of torn because on the one hand i think what we got in dark knight returns was a lot more interesting and debatable i mean here he's really been bent to the will of these people but again to to protect can't it's i i don't know i feel like it might've yeah, been little, more interesting had we sort of continued along the path that we are, as opposed to taking such a, such a turn here.
1: This is a dramatic shift. And and you think about Superman through the ages, this is like the plot of like a silver age issue and it's one and done, right? Superman's getting, you know, he's got the, the bottle city hostage, brainiac's got it with Luther and he figures it out by the end and he, and he wins the day. Right. So you wonder like why and how they have such a grip over him at this point, like Versus him in the past. Like, it's very hard to believe as a casual reader that Superman somehow, with his abilities, could not intercede and or intervene and just get the city back. um, Surprisingly,
0: it's tough. As as difficult as it was to see Superman in in Dark Knight Returns, he, and we didn't even talk about it, but maybe one of the most iconic pages from that, from Dark Knight Returns and and exchanges that when, uh, you know, Bruce is kicking Clark and says, I want you to remember. And all the years to come, and your most private moments—the one man who yeah. beat
1: you—yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Uh, here, it's the, you track the arc of Superman and Dark Knight Strikes Again. Man, it's rough. It's real rough. I mean, Bruce kicks the crap out of him at the end of yeah. issue one. Uh, he's at a at a, he's a broken at the fortress when when Diana finds him. Yeah, he's on the floor.
1: Yeah. So, at the end of issue one, right, he's got the kryptonite gloves, the boxing gloves, which came out of nowhere. I mean, it was one thing to have the ring. And that seemed like that was all he needed, but the kryptonite boxing gloves was was a little bunch.
0: <laughs> well, he's had three years to prepare, you know, fifteen years in the real world, only three years in the in yeah. the pages of that comic. but yeah, I guess in that time he uh he developed that there's at, jumping a new frontier for a second there I love man, I love the line when Batman confronts John Jones. AKA oh my God. The
1: greatest threat ever. It's like I had a $70,000 piece of meteor and for you all I need is a penny book of matches or something like that. It's like, oh my God. So great. What a threat, right?
0: One of the best lines of the whole thing. Oh
1: yeah. I agree with you hundred percent.
0: So, and then, you know, so in, in strikes again, we get this moment with, with Superman and wonder woman and, you know, we didn't see wonder woman in, right. in, in returns and here not only have superman and wonder woman h- had this romance but they they produced a child, a child named yeah. lara who's a teenager and doesn't yeah. know superman because he's so afraid of what luther and brainiac will do he wants wonder woman to keep her secret
1: mm-hmm.
0: so we get a lot in a short amount of time and you know wonder woman really goes at him and is like where is you know where's the man who you know who's yeah, passion exactly. moved me yeah, so yeah. to and speak
1: then, you know and he was in rough shape and he gives her some kiss let me tell you on that next page
0: yeah and they go it for shows it. her. yeah for they go for it. <laughs> a number of pages it shakes the earth um the it's funny yeah. like i said echoes to other stories and especially what i just covered kingdom come famously concludes with superman and wonder woman embarking on a relationship and, and having Yeah, a yeah they're at the
1: diner it's such a good uh scene yeah yeah
0: yeah so it's interesting to see that here now <laughs> it's so funny because what are you laughing at it well kingdom in the kingdom come story lois and the rest of the daily planet had, had died yeah. we that happens here in the pages of strikes again when yeah brainiac stages this assault against metropolis to make an example out of superman right because batman's back he's in action he's public he's inspiring others they want to make an example out of superman to sort of quell mm-hmm. all of this and you know superman is told that uh you know if he flees he runs away and hides. You know, Candor will be okay if he stays, and he fights. Candor will be destroyed. He says, "I'll neither flee nor nor uh yeah. or, nor fight." So he just sort of stands there and, and takes the beating. And in the process of this, the Daily Planet building is destroyed, and and yeah. Lois and everyone dies. Side note: crazy to think about the timing of this and when this came out. I mean, this was not long after nine eleven. A lot of it. echoes yeah. of that in here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this was. uh Again, very close to that, which I, you know, I do have memories of reading this. Like I said, you know, at at that time. But so, so you know, Lois di- and I guess in my mind, <clears throat> when we find out that Superman and Wonder Woman have had this relationship and, and a child together, in my mind, I'm like, well, Lois must be out of the picture.
1: Yeah, but he's still very much attached to Lois. But yeah.
0: well, that's the thing. And then you find out that no, Lois is Lois until yeah. she dies off, you know, off panel. But uh, yeah, that was a, that was a bit of a surprise. And then. When he finally meets Lara, and she's the one who intervenes and, and saves him from Brainiac.
1: Well, then he talks about how he really can't have a relationship with the with the humans, yeah. right? Is that we're going to bring up?
0: Why? Why can't he have a relationship with them, Bill? They're too fragile, he says. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> he shook the earth with Wonder Woman. I mean, come on. Well, I guess if you're have, if you're doing it like that, I guess this
1: is it's... the uh, this is the Kevin Smith uh, argument, right, with the uh, super sperm?
0: It's hilarious to me because I've now spent a fair amount of time on this podcast talking about the Superman two movie where I feel like this really comes from.
1: Yeah.
0: And I won't read, I won't rehash all of this, but in the, in the theatrical cut that Richard Lester finished, Superman has to give up his powers before he can bed Lois, seeming to Mm -hmm. create this notion that, that he couldn't otherwise. Whereas if you watch the Donner cut, the original intention for the movie, they sleep together first. Yeah. Yeah, And he has to give up his powers because it's more of this philosophical thing that he can't serve humanity and be in a relationship. But from that theatrical cut, we've gotten, yeah, that bit from the, you know, Kevin Smith's Mallrats and
1: yeah, yeah. again,
0: the same type of idea here. Like he's not with Lois because they're physically incompatible. Not, it's not my take on the character. I don't subscribe to it, but yeah, I, I guess it, it works for, for what it is.
1: I mean, I always thought he was with, you know, I mean, it was, it was always hard because it was like, you know, Batman always belongs with Selena, And you think with Superman, he's got the thing with Lana Lang. He's got the thing with Lois. But obviously it's Wonder Woman that you think is the the ultimate love. Uh, but, you know, again, to bring back the whatever happened to the man of tomorrow, I love that he was with Lois and he had the kid that had the superpowers. that turns the coal into the diamond in the final scene, you know, yeah. it's such a great little scene, you know.
0: However, here's where I one aspect of strikes again that is not in line with how I view Superman, but I can get on board with it for the context of this story. So his big turning point after the the, the battle for Metropolis, when he meets Lara, it, like you said, uh, you know, Bruce appears to him in, in his mind and says, you work for me now. Mm-hmm. So up until this point, he's being told what to do by Lutheran Brainiac. He's being appealed to by Wonder Woman. He's now being commanded by Bruce, but finally, a little bit later in the story, he he finally seems to take a little bit of agency for himself.
1: Right. Yeah. He becomes Superman in the end.
0: Does he? This is my question. I guess are are you are you satisfied with the turn here? Because he has a realization that again is not the way I see the character, but I well, it makes sense enough for me.
1: I mean, I feel like his hands were tied. He was so helpless. Uh, knowing that all those uh, kryptonians were kind of held hostage and bruce finally offered him a path forward he's like i'm going to rescue them do not worry just do what I i say kind of thing and i think that allows superman to kind of snap out of it and become more of himself for sure um so i think it's satisfying for me at least uh to see him make that shift and again that was a dramatic shift from the beginning when we saw him in dark knight returns and then the beginning of this book but it's not enough for you Right, that's where you're going with it. No,
0: No, the thing specifically that I was referring to was when he apologizes to Mon Pa, and he says, "I'll always, you know, remember what you taught me." But I'm not one of them. Yeah, I'm not human. And like I said, what?
1: Yeah, no, I was going to say that's a lot of the influence from Diana too, right? Saying things like that.
0: Yeah, right. That's the thing. I think that makes sense, and. And I've talked about this very recently when revisiting the Donner movies where I see him in that movie really as a god living among men. Whereas mm-hmm. I feel like modern stories, he's a man with the powers of a god. And so here, we already have this notion he can't be with Lois, they're incompatible. Like you said, I think Wonder Woman's influence is very strong. So this conclusion that he comes to that he's not one of them, mm-hmm. I think works in the context of the story and also allows him to break free because you have to imagine well, we already said it, right? That that is at least in, in some part informing why he's going along with Reagan in Dark Knight Returns. It's like this is what he was raised to believe in. Like he's he's yeah. an American. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So of course he's going to listen to the president. You know that 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 sort of thing. And so, uh, and and even like Bruce said in 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 Returns, where you know Superman gave the power over, and in Strikes Again, I believe Superman says like the power was always mine or ours. So. Mm-hmm. I think in that sense it sort of ties together nicely. Uh again, it's yeah. real it's a real rough to watch Superman in Dark Knight Strikes again and to see him being directed and told and commanded and beaten by so many people and when he finally has that realization like I said, I still have some mixed feelings about it, but I think it tracks well enough. Like was do you find it satisfying overall? Yeah, absolutely. And
1: you know I think uh you can think of Superman almost in these stories as like a work in progress, right? Very much like John Jones trying to like understand humanity, trying to fit in. You know, you know he knows that he has these powers. He knows that he's god uh a, a god. And so, you know, I think it's he struggles a lot probably with himself trying to see where he fits in. Um trying to be both the protector of humanity and also you know that he's not one of them. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Again, I think I'm I'm very satisfied with his entire arc in these two books.
0: Are you satisfied with Bruce's arc?
1: Well, like I said, I was very happy with the end of Dark Knight Returns, and I think his arc could have ended right there. Um, You know, I I think less so in this. He plays a different role. This is the Bruce Wayne that's not the tied to Gotham City Bruce Wayne. The Gotham City Bruce Wayne, where he's in his city, he's in his element, that's the Bruce Wayne I love. The Justice League Bruce Wayne is always a little odd, right? When he's like the greatest detective, but on the planet Mars, it's just like, this is a weird story, right? Like, like what, Like what? he loses all sense of being Batman when he's out of the city, when he's out of the element. He doesn't have that fear. Um, so it's very much that kind of character here. He's like, you know, with some of his Justice League characters, they're taking on Luther and Brainiac. And it's, you know, for me, it's not those Batman stories were never the ones that I really are, were drawn to, if that makes sense.
0: Uh, it, it does. Did Speaking of stories that Brandon defended and everyone else <laughs> didn't, um, did you ever f- read All-Star Batman and Robin, like the whole thing? I
1: read the first couple issues, and then I know that they took a huge hiatus, and then I never came back to it when they, I think they had two or three issues, and then it stopped for like a number of years, and I never picked it up again.
0: So I did but a, he was the he was the
1: editor on that. He was like the associate editor under um, I Bob, can't think of the guy's name, Bob Bob Stark or Shrek. Bob uh, Shrek. Shrek. Yeah, yeah. I met them. I had lunch with them in the city. It was very nice. They were two, they were great guys together. Oh you know, nice. they really played off each other well.
0: Nice.
1: Um, but I think you know his defense of that book was in large part because he was, you know, he was one of the creators of the book. I think he was instrumental in making that book happen.
0: Yeah, fair enough. I I, I think Yes, I did an episode of my other pod, uh, the limited run of episodes of My Comic Shop Book Club last year, and we, we started with All-Star Batman and Robin, and I I, I came around on it a bit. It's not, not unlike yeah. Strikes Again, where you sort of have to go in knowing what it is, and it's this bonkers, off-the-wall take on the character. Yeah. And if you sort of go in with the understanding that Bruce is losing it yeah. a year into this, a lot of what follows... S- you know, more or less makes sense and you can buy into it more and also yeah. the whole the whole bit about batman and robin painting everything yellow in order to uh, <laughs> uh limit green lantern is still one of the funniest bits to me yeah. i think it's hilarious but
1: Instead i got to pick that up again that's the one that uh he's like i'm the goddamn batman right that was from the dark uh, the, the all-star batman
0: that's the one but i think right. I, I bring it up because i think if you look at all-star batman and robin and you look at dark knight strikes again and there wasn't I forget the year of of, uh, All-Star, but there wasn't so much time in between. And I I think if you look at these two stories, you you definitely see some similarities, especially in terms of the way Bruce is portrayed.
1: Yeah, I'll have to reread that one. I'll add it to the list.
0: All right. I think we should shift uh, more fully into New Frontier at this point. You
1: know, there's another story that while we were talking um, made me think of another story where uh, Superman is the government stooge. And that's uh, the Red Sun. Oh, sure. Right? He's the government stooge, but just not of the, the United States. I mean, he's the, the Russian stooge. I and mean, I, I just thought that was, I mean, I don't remember anything about that. Don't, I don't think I could discuss that right now. But, uh, right, he was, he was very much like being controlled by the Russian government.
0: Yeah. And that's, so I'm going to do an episode on that. We've got this whole, I, I don't think I've said this yet on the show. Here's an, an announcement going to do this fall uh, a trilogy of episodes on uh, a number of Elseworlds stories. Uh, you're going to be part of one and we're going to do another one on uh, red sun and a couple of other similar stories of like what happens if Bruce were uh, Bruce, if uh, Clark were raised by someone else. So yeah. uh, we'll, we'll get into that. But yeah, I think that's definitely cool. um, uh, what's funny and, and audience I'll, I'll pose this to you. I, I'm not aware of a ton of other stories that do what, the dark knight universe and new frontier do in terms of positioning superman as that stooge mm-hmm. um i again i think red sun is in, it's it's so funny cuz like they're all elseworld stories in a in a sense but um it, it returns and, and and new frontier feel closer i guess to the end and they are yeah. right closer yeah. to the, the mainline dc universe as opposed to like totally flipping everything on its head so in my mind i look at red sun as sort of in its own category but your your point is well taken but yeah if people have other examples of stories where superman is used in this way i would be very curious to read them so please feel free to reach out yeah so new frontier i, I guess big picture um where like i asked you with with returns where, where does this fall in your fandom Because I know you're a big Darwin Cook fan. Oh, I
1: love Darwin Cook. And I remember when these issues were coming out. um, And I remember this was the first comic that uh, when the second issue were to come out, I went back and read the first issue before I read the second. And likewise with the third, I read the first two because it was such a, like I was saying before, it was such a huge canvas. It was like so hard to keep the story straight. And I'll tell you, even reading it all together in graphic novel form, I mean, you kind of need to take notes on what's going on. And it takes place over many decades. And, and so it's such a lovely story that Darwin kind of, and it's kind of his love letter, right, to DC Comics and the characters that he grew up with in the 50s and 60s. And, you know, how they started and, you know, how influential they were on him and also society at that time. I, I, I mean, I think this book really deserves a place in the spotlight. You know, having said that, rereading this and then hearing what you mentioned about the the movie, and I forgot largely the cartoon of what was in it and what wasn't in it. There's things that, like, there's some fat to be trimmed out of this. If you wanted it to have, like, a mean, lean kind of origin of the Justice League. Um, uh, so it's it's not necessary. if you were, like, a casual reader and somebody said, hey, what's the origin of the Justice League? I mean, this is a good story, but you can preface it with, there's a lot to this. There's a lot to- that's going on. Um, and I like that about this, you know, that little you know, parts with you know Hal and Carol and the whole relationship with with her and him and like how was the test pilot? I mean, there's so much there, and you wonder like how he had the the wherewithal to kind of keep the story straight and kind of keep bringing it further to the conclusion. It was it's kind of amazing because at some points it's just so meandering and very uh um what's the word not self serving but uh, you know In- he's indulgent? definitely indulgent absolutely very indulgent with what he decides to to do here and you wonder if he wasn't Darwin Cook. Like, would this have flown, right? Like, could anybody just say, hey, like, I got this story. We're going to be doing the challengers. We're going to be doing, like, you know, the losers. Like, these characters that really don't have the spotlight anymore. And he's largely focusing full issues on these guys, uh, which I love. I mean, I love it. But it's hard to, hard to know where the point was headed, I'm sure, early on with the DC execs was like, what did we, what did we get behind <laughs>
0: I, I'm sure. Yeah, I I, uh, I I get what you're saying, and it and it's funny. Yeah, I, I do wonder what the reaction was internally initially, and and you know now of course it's become this this classic. Oh, yeah, it's
1: incredible. And, no, it's incredible. I love this book.
0: Yeah. and it's funny. I maybe I've said this in some episode at some point, but New Frontier is my all time favorite comic book story. Oh really? I didn't know that. Actually, okay. it is. Look, uh, Death of Superman holds a very 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 special place for me. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean that aside. New Frontier is right there at the top. The way that it 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 weaves this tapestry together of the DC universe, and again, I, I I'm sure people are familiar with this, but essentially, it 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 tells the story of the dawn of the Silver Age of comics and the birth of the Justice League, but it does it in in real time. So it we like yep. you said, it spans many years from the mid '40s to to the beginning of the 1960s, and so the characters appear in the pages of the comic at the same time that the characters were originally published in the real world, yep. and it just makes use of this, this vast history of the DC universe. And I feel like, I mean, of course the art is just out of this world. It's cool. I love his style. It's gorgeous. And, uh, but as far as the story, I feel like he did a really nice job. And and again, like you said, people might, might differ on this, but I feel like he did a nice job of giving us enough of the heavy hitters who we might be more invested in while also bringing in the the lesser-known characters and teams that he clearly has a lot of affinity for. Like, I felt there was a good balance where even if you weren't... Like, look, am I the biggest challengers of the unknown fan? No, not necessarily. But it's not like they dominated the story, and I appreciated the role that they played. So it was a really nice mix. And I guess, too, you needed... I guess you did need to have that, right? Because when we get to that tension before they go off to fight the center it is between the ones who are authorized by the government and wearing a uniform right. versus the 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 costumed crime fighter so mm-hmm. it made sense in in that respect but I, I more than anything the sense of history and wonder that it was able to capture uh, yeah. was was just palpable and, and and that i think more than anything is why it's been my favorite
1: yeah yeah, yeah, you know I love that the title, the new frontier, right? Very much evocative of JFK and his whole uh, plan for America with the new frontier, uh, coming off of like the New Deal, right? From back uh, earlier, you know. So I think it really captures a moment in his own life, not only in these characters and how they developed into who they are now, but you know I think this was a, a love song to you know his his you know his youth growing up reading comic books. I think I mean Darwin was, was a huge comic book fan from from when he was a kid. And it's clear, it's evident from this. I mean, he's drawing from so many different aspects. I mean, only a, a true fan of these, these works, someone who loves and is passionate about these can, can write such a story.
0: Absolutely. You know, one of the things, watching the movie again and, and reading the comic again, I don't know, I, I'm kind of split on this, but it's, how do I put this? In, in, in a lot of ways, I'm glad that this work hasn't been touched. That you pick up, like I have the deluxe edition hardcover that has the six issue miniseries and the uh, the one shot that he did when the animated movie came out, uh-huh. and that exists unto itself, and it hasn't been touched, and there haven't been sequels or spinoffs yeah. or anything like that. There's something very pure about that that I love. At yeah. the same time, I look at this and I think to myself, man, what potential there there was and and is. To sort of build out from this template that he created of telling oh, yeah. stories with yeah. these characters at this point in time, and, uh, and of course, with his uh, you know very tragic and untimely passing, it's obviously not something that he would be able to do or be involved with in any capacity. And then so then it becomes this question of if if others are to do it, you know, do we end up with something like Strikes Again, where it's like mm, yeah. maybe yeah. we should have left. It's it best alone. not
1: to touch it, right? Uh, exactly.
0: But I'll say this. Because this came out before Hal Jordan came back as Green Lantern. This came out before mm-hmm. Barry Allen came back as the Flesh. I didn't have much affinity for those characters before. New like New Frontier made me a fan of those characters yeah. and really introduced yeah, yeah. me to them in a in a more meaningful way than than I had before.
1: Well, not only you, but I mean, how many countless uh, comic book readers at that time? You're right. I mean, what was it? Uh, John Stewart uh, uh, was the Green Lantern at the
0: time. Kyle Rayner was really the main oh, one. Oh, Kyle Rayner in the 90s? Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, all right. Well, I'm glad that you got some Hal Jordan then uh, from this.
0: Well, sorry, so here's the thing. Like, yes, it made me a fan of those characters, but going back to what I was saying, I when they were brought back to the mainstream DCU, especially Barry Allen, I felt like we lost more than we gained. And so this is going back to what I was saying. I, part of me wonders if maybe that New Frontier universe could have been expanded, and maybe that's where you have a Barry Allen series or miniseries. That's where Hal Jordan lives. And the mainline DCU can continue to evolve and not have to continue to bring back the Silver Age iterations of the character.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's something to be said about that. Absolutely. And I think, um, you know, this is like when we were talking about how... uh, you know, uh, Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale were so brilliantly able to go into like the year one universe and pull from that and then continue on with that story. I think people could probably have done similar things with this Darwin Cook. But I think with his untimely death, not having his blessing on it, I think it would be very difficult to, for somebody to pick this up and, and do something that fans would be behind.
0: I, I agree. Unfortunately. I, I think any window for this ha- has passed. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like even, you know, b- before his passing, it's like, you know, you just wonder you know, if this was a possibility, but we mentioned the line, the Batman's line to John Jones, what, what were the other moments, lines, scenes, sequences that, that really stood out to you?
1: Well, I mean, I, again, focusing on uh, Superman as this government stooge, you know, that, that scene where you first see him uh, in Cambodia, wherever he is, where he, you know, talks to Wonder Woman, he finds out what she had just done her and like the, those, the locals had just murdered a bunch of people, and he's like oh i'm going to report this to the undersecretary and she's like yeah go go ahead <laughs> you know tell her i'm here uh whatever spreading ju- whatever she says to him it was like a really great line though um i mean i think that uh that the wonder woman portrayal in this is just such a a great you know version of her in that character you know she's clearly she clearly knows what is right and wrong she she you know no question about it and she's she's you know, I, I think, again, that's for me, that's one of the best scenes. And obviously the scene where he comes to, to, to her island uh, and talks to her. I mean, you know, again, I don't know. I, I don't usually love Wonder Woman stories. There's a few that I can name that I really, really enjoy. But I think she was used perfectly in this, you know.
0: I know one of our favorites is one that I don't think we ever really knew how to pronounce, but the Hakita.
1: That, the Hayekita! Yeah. Oh my gosh, that scene where she's like got her her boot on Batman's head—he's like, "Bruce, don't get up!" It's like the greatest scene in comics, right? I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah, that, one, that's that was a good one. Greg
0: Rucka and JG Jones, I believe.
1: JG Jones at the yard. Yeah. I didn't realize it was Rucka. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome.
0: I haven't gone back to that in a long time, but yeah, that's a favorite. Yeah, I, I I really do like the way she's utilized here. Um, as far as this whole idea of Superman as the government stooge, you know, a number of similarities with Dark Knight Returns, certainly yeah. in terms of him. Being this international operative, and primarily operating in that capacity, getting his marching marching orders from Washington uh, this this relationship with Wonder Woman it, it's not the same level as what we see in Strikes Again, but yeah. clearly, like again, especially the way it's depicted in the comic, there's an intimacy there, right? not even necessarily you know romantic or sexual, but there's a very very you know deep uh, you know deep bond there. Overall, though. This definitely feels vastly more optimistic, and he has more, I, I feel, more of an arc in this, right? Because he we're starting from this point of, just like in Returns, the public and the government and the media have turned against the costumed community. The Justice Society has all retired. They've disbanded. They're off the board. And it's really Superman and Wonder Woman who have, who have pledged their loyalty and Batman, who has gone underground and has continued to operate. And now these new heroes are starting to emerge, but they're very tentative steps, right? And no pun intended. Like with the Flash, yeah. he's yeah. operating very locally, but yep. when the government moves on him, he's like, listen, I'm out. Like, this isn't yeah. what I signed up for. I'm not a criminal. Yeah. I have to protect the, the people I love. I'm done. Right. Uh, and again, of course, it isn't until that big climax where they all have to come together I yeah. feel like that's one of the big differences with Returns and New Frontier where in, in New Frontier, Superman and Batman and Robin have that meeting, right? Where they're mm-hmm. conferring about the center and, and yeah. Um, yeah. you know the effect that it's having on on the, the public and, the, and people's psyches. And they talk about what it will take for the tide to turn again. And Bruce says when they need us. Mm-hmm. And he's right. <laughs> and yeah. I guess maybe that's the thing that you don't necessarily have in returns. I guess you do in strikes again with Luther and Brainiac to an extent, but this large this threat that's bigger than everything, that's bigger than these lines that divide them. Right. Right, yes. and New Frontier provides that and provides that moment for them to unite. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, and that that's center by the way. I want to talk a little bit about that, but uh, you know, getting back to like, you know, some of these origins and other things, you know, when when Batman is mentioned in the New Frontier, it's, it's like as that blurb in the comic. So he's very much a, or the blurb in the newspaper, or very much just like a fringe type person. And then he becomes a much larger role uh, later on. But I really love that scene where it's like, you know, he's he fighting Superman and then there was like an explosion and it's a chemical. We haven't identified what it was. It was such a great little uh, kind of uh, poke there. It was really nice.
0: Now, did um, you reread that special or did you just do this? I say, so just I only have Yeah, so I
1: only have these two right now. I used okay. to have the the Absolute, and so I'm, I'm missing that one at the moment.
0: Okay. So in, in the main New Frontier, you do see that news article, and right. it shows the fight between Batman and Superman, yeah. where Superman was defeated. Yeah. And, but I think it's in New Frontier where they talk about how they staged his defeat. That, right When they have that meeting, they talk about how they staged Superman's defeat, and Superman's working to change things from within, and Batman's yeah. on the outside. So you already have that sense. Right. But the special sh- showed how that came to be. Like Eisenhower okay. gave Superman the order to bring in Batman yeah. and they went head to head and, you know, Bruce used his usual tricks and, and, and oh. tactics and gadgets and all that stuff. But it was Wonder Woman who intervened and was like, we have to find another way. And she gets through to them and Bruce even unmasks, he reveals himself to these other two, which was a big step. Yeah. And after that, they stage that battle that you see referenced in the new frontier. Okay.
1: Very good. I got to read, read that again. So okay.
0: again, as far as, as far as differences, uh, I mean, a major difference between here and, and, and new frontier where in it, where it uh, returns where in new frontier, they are working together. They're not right. at each other's throats to the public. They are, but they are actually working together. So again, yeah. I think just overall, like a much more hopeful, <laughs> but look, you can get behind that. Yeah. You know, one of them is about the, the dark future, potentially the end of the DCU. And the other one is about the dawn of its greatest age. So it's like, it eh, yeah. makes sense. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, so that center. So you know, in rereading this, and so many years have passed since I've read this, and I've become a huge H.P. Lovecraft fan. In the middle, right? And so I don't know if you get Lovecraftian vibes from that center, and you know,
0: have you ever read uh, *Call of Cthulhu*? I can't say that I have. So that's no, a little that's bit fine. lost on me. I'm sorry.
1: But you know, in *Call of Cthulhu*, there's like it's it's in three parts, and there's this one part that's just this. Uh, You're talking about how uh, Cthulhu is is causing. The people to have nightmares right and like all these people have these shared nightmares and things and you know very much that center kind of was very evocative to me of uh of something right out of lovecraft and when you even think about starro there's like a whole lovecraftian thing called at the mountains of madness with little star people um which is very interesting too i never really made that connection until this work when i reread it i was like man there's a lot of Lovecraft vibes uh in north uh new frontier
0: oh interesting what it's worth no, that's like I said. I, I've never read that, so it's a little lost on me. But uh, but no, I, I I can appreciate that. Yeah. yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's interesting. I think to use a villain like
1: that. that. Nobody knows. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah, and that's that's that is so because well, you
1: think you think the origin of Justice League. You think Storo, and you right. get Storo at the end, the final page. Thank God, you get him at the <laughs> end. Uh, but you're like, oh, yeah. The whole time you're like, oh, isn't there something else we could have been using instead of this? <laughs> you know, but. You know, I mean, it was appropriate, and I think it was like a first threat, and I think it was a, re- a realistic type threat for humanity at that time, and it's something that showed the need for superheroes. So I think it works in that regard.
0: Right, exactly. So, I mean, I think that in terms of the history that this story captures, it it shows this, this country at this inflection point, I guess, between patriotism and paranoia, right? Mm-hmm. Where in the Cold War, it's this ideological divide, and... The center, you know, really. I mean, it's not subtle, right? It's the embodiment of of this fear, essentially, yeah. uh, and and so I think it works. And and right, ultimately, the story is not about the Justice League defeating the center, but it's about them yeah. all being able to Coming unite. Together. And so this provides yeah. a mechanism for that. So, yeah, I it I uh, think I think it, it were I think having something that's larger than life and that's more elemental, as yeah. opposed to you know. Um, Uh, In a more tangible being or person, I I think this works in this context. Oh, absolutely!
1: Yeah, no, I am too. And I liked how they used uh, scientists as well to find a way to defeat the thing, right? And so I think there's a lot of important aspects there.
0: And in terms of the politics, I think that I think Cook did a great job of capturing this this idea of in World War II, it was very clear. Right. Who the good guys were and who the bad guys were.
1: Right. And I think somebody says that right in the comic. Yeah.
0: Right. And so now for Superman and Wonder Woman in particular, it's like, I guess that's their starting point. And then they're being sent on these missions and and it's now not as clear, right, yep. if what they're doing is necessarily the right path or not.
1: But that's true. Right. And that follows America's involvement in Vietnam, Cambo and Korea and all these things. And I think that's an important aspect of it where it's like the, the lines are blurred whether or not we're this police force and and doing what's right. Or I think as Wonder Woman points out, it's like, you know, only when they need to do some American sabotage or something, you know, it's very much like, you don't know who's the uh, good anymore. Right. Right. And, and Superman is like, Hey, like you said, from, from all the other works, he's like, I, I, I'm with the president, whatever they need me to do that. He must be the guy who's on the side of right. And that might not always be the case. Yeah. No, as we've seen.
0: Yeah. Right. And, and, yeah, I think it's it's understandable and relatable to the extent that in in all of these stories, even if it's not Superman's ideal scenario, he's still saving people. I think that's sort yeah. of the underlying. It's like he's still saving people. He's still, as far as he knows, doing good, mm-hmm. and so that's better than 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 nothing. It's in Strikes Again where he says, like, Bruce. Or, I mean, he's thinking it to himself. Like, I get to save lives. You don't.
1: He gives him this moral superiority to Bruce. You know what he's doing is always going to be right.
0: Right, but like I said, I think the arc in New Frontier for Superman is is definitely clearer. He needs to step up and lead. He's the mm-hmm. one who's going to unite he's,
1: them. And he's the natural leader. Yeah, right.
0: and he does. And when we talk about moments that are hard for a Superman fan reading this story or watching the animated movie, it's got to be he gives this rousing speech. And he galvanizes everyone. I'm gonna go recon this thing. I'll and be back. It doesn't back. work out well for <laughs> him. And then he's just off the board. Yeah. But he needs yeah. to be. I uh, that's the thing. It's why he was he needs missing to step away. It's why he was missing for like three out of the four hours of Zack Snyder's Justice League. It's why yeah. after he gets blasted, he's he doesn't show up until the you know the the very final page before the epilogue. It's like I, I get it, right? Because yeah. it, this wasn't his his story was to the extent of again rising as that leader, but it was mm-hmm. really about the effect that it had on everyone else. I I can uh, I can appreciate I, that.
1: Yeah, I get behind that absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I, and again, I think it, like you said, it, it gave the opportunity for everybody else to step up. I mean, that's the moment where Hal Jordan kind of gets involved, and you know, it's an important thing to see the, all the other superheroes and what they can bring to the table. And until that point, they really didn't know.
0: Right. Yeah. Exactly.
1: Yeah, we know these characters well, but I mean, you know, at the, the time this story takes place, this is the first time we have seen what the Flash can do, what Green Lantern can do. And I think that's a great thing.
0: Did you Have you read about what Cook's original ending was for Superman? Oh, no. So It's in the deluxe edition. There's there's a ton of, of uh, supplementary material. And he has, there's a page that he drew, and, and then he explains what, what the intent was, where Superman was going to be recovering on an island with Aquaman. But he said yeah. he decided not to do it because, and I'm quoting here, he said it felt too gay. Not that there's anything wrong with that. He did the Seinfeld. <laughs> he did the Seinfeld thing, but it just wasn't the tone that or the yeah. note that he wanted to end on. But sure, I love. I kind of love the idea of Clark and Arthur just like frolicking on yeah. the beach. It's. I'm going to bring this full circle. It's like Rocky Three. It's like it's like uh, Rocky and Apollo on the beach, running yeah. and hugging and high fiving. It's it's uh, it's glorious.
1: It's a, it's a wholesome moment. It's a
0: beautiful moment. Yeah but i do but uh, the, so the idea with that was that they were going to be talking i guess about humanity and their role and i think that that probably would have been a bridge too far like i think it made mu- it was much more impactful mm-hmm. when aquaman shows up and he's carrying superman I, like that's yeah. the note to end yeah. on
1: you know yeah no for sure and that's a great moment yeah
0: we said that he you know cook uses a lot of obscure characters and teams was there anyone he were happy to see or, or? oh slam
1: bradley yeah, bradley yeah. right i mean oh yeah forget forget yeah. i mean the, the, there's there's you know obvious characters are in the use when you talk about the history but you know I, i'll be honest with you i remember the first time reading this it's like well i don't know these characters the losers and the the challengers and you know i mean we were working at the store at the time and i remember flipping through silver age issues never really getting into it but i was just like you know all of a sudden, interested in these characters that I never really was exposed to before. Um, yeah, I don't know even what else to say. Who, who? What about you? Who are you? Like really excited to see?
0: I can't. I'm trying to think. I, honestly, it was really it was really Barry and and Hal. They're not obscure characters, but for me, again, at the yeah. time, I hadn't had a ton of exposure to them. Given when I started, and and you know. Again, yeah. Barry was off the board. So I only knew Barry when he appeared in flashbacks or as a vision or through time travel. And I only really knew Hal as a villain <laughs> So because he, he was parallel about time. that. his
1: parallax. Yeah.
0: You know, so uh, so those for weird storylines, I know. But so for me, like those were the big revelations, I think, you know, reading yeah. it in. I, what I do think is cool is since the, this is an origin story for so many of them, it's like, yeah, even if you don't know challengers, you get to know them. Yeah,
1: yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And you get everything you need kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, Muhammad Ali was in here too. I forgot about that—the little boxing fight.
0: Oh yeah, that's right. But yeah, yeah, uh, Grant versus Clay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Cassius Clay. Yeah. yeah I, again, cool.
1: it's such—it's such a really good book.
0: Well, um, I love it in the Vegas scene, like you said earlier, that they're all—you have so many of these characters who are there in their civilian identities. You have Bruce and Ali and Lois yeah. and and. Um, uh, and, and Hal and, and, you know, and Iris is there covering it, like the idea of them and Selena and Dinah, like the yeah. idea of all yeah. of them sort of being in the same social circles in their civilian yeah. identities, well, I thought it was kind of cool.
1: It, it's clear that uh, Darwin is in absolute love with the 60s, the 60s sentimentalities, the the architecture, the the design of the 60s. I mean, and then that that Vegas that he shows us is exactly, you know, that the pages of so many other uh, of his works, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think one of my favorite moments has always been, and it still holds true, is when uh, Barry rescues Iris, stops Captain Cold, and says, don't ever mess with my Iris. That yeah, r- remains yeah. just uh, very, very high uh, on, on my list there.
1: And what does he do? He just like freezes her hand, right? She yeah. was like, uh, yeah, it, was, it wasn't even much for him, yeah. but enough to get him involved. It's great.
0: There, I, I meant to double-check this before we sat down to do this, but there's... I don't know when this episode comes out, it might already be out, but, uh, you know, Warner brothers animation, they're doing an animated short on the losers.
1: Oh yeah. Okay. I don't know the
0: content of it, but I wonder to what extent, if any, they'll borrow from the opening of this. It would be really cool if it was done in such a way where you could kind of view it as a bit of a prologue to new Frontier. I don't know if they'll go that far, but uh, at least they're getting some play. Oh, I had no
1: idea. Um, Good for them.
0: So, is there anything else about New Frontier or any of these stories that you want you want to talk about that we didn't?
1: Oh, I don't know. You, um, I'm just flipping through the New Frontier right now. This was the first one I read, um, and I read this about three weeks ago. And I, and you know, every time I pick it up, I feel like it's like the first time I'm looking at it again. It's just unbelievable. You know, you got so many great scenes, like the the scene with the Spectre and Doctor Fate. You know, with Billy Batson up on the moon, and he's just like just wonderful stuff that he decided to and adam strange making his appearance it's just like you you wonder what was in cook's mind when he came up with this story it's just like you know you have the entire gauntlet of the dc universe to use and he kind of was able to use pretty much everybody um effectively so too
0: yeah i mean suicide Uh, squad
1: blackhawks such great role yeah Yeah, everybody makes an appearance um new frontier is is, was never a book that i you know reread um but after reading it again this time, it's like, man, I got to get that absolute again. And you know, this is something I just want to, just like the Dark Knight, you know, read every now and again. This, unlike the Dark Knight, is something that I would recommend to, uh, you know, somebody. Um, you know, it's a it's a good book. Like I said, the Dark Knight, you got to earn that book. But this is a good good primer into DC Comics. And not just Superman, it's not just a Batman story, it's, it's a DC story, like you said. It, it's not even a Justice League story, it's just the DC.
0: Yes. That's, I really enjoyed my, my prep for this because I came away, like I said, New Frontier is my favorite and it has been, and look, anytime you go back to something you love, you always wonder, will it live up to it? And it did. Yeah. I mean, I enjoyed yeah. my read this time just as much as I have done before. It's funny because I you know, I sat down with that deluxe hardcover and I was like, man, this thing is thick.
1: Yeah. Uh, but,
0: it, you know, especially I think the way Cook utilizes primarily the three big panels per page. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say it's a breezy read <clears throat> and some pages are quite dense and there's a lot of, a lot of exposition. But overall, I mean, I, it really moves. It did not take yeah. nearly as long as I thought it would when I sat down with it.
1: Oh, it's so fast paced. And, and and it's the kind of book where you do not want to put this one down. Um, whereas I was saying The Dark Knight, you have to put it down because there's just so much. It's like overwhelming. It's a, it's a sensory overload. If you look at those pages, they're just so dense, right? I mean, there's like the the, the panels are, are minuscule um, and not even just the TV panels, but like almost all the panels. And then you go from that to the New Frontier, the New Front. like you said, the, the three panel pages there's a lot of dialogue, but the movement is swift. And then, you know, the other end of the extreme is like the Dark Knight Strikes Again, where it's like many pages with no dialogue whatsoever, where you're just kind of flipping through and you're like, oh, okay, this is happening. And you're kind of forced to put the story together on your own. Uh, and so there are three different storytelling manners in all three of these books, for sure. Um, but, you know, New Frontier reads incredibly well, and it's fast paced. You know, there's, no, there's no putting that book down when you start it um, at least, at least for me, I don't know if you feel differently.
0: Yeah. I mean, I split it up a little bit more just due to time, but, uh, but yeah, no, it, it, it was definitely something that held my interest. So it was the fact that that held up the way it did was very gratifying. And like I said, I came away enjoying dark Knight returns more than I ever had before and strikes again, while not at the top of my list, I can appreciate it more for what it is than than I yeah. think I had before. And, You know, like Bill and I said, you know, we've not read The Master Race, which continues the story. Uh, I am curious to get into that and see particularly how Superman is handled. I don't know if I'll be Mm -hmm. pleased or disappointed, but we'll get to that in the future. But uh, certainly what we read gave us more than enough to talk about. So we'll we'll save the other one for the future. But I I guess maybe the last thing I wanted to ask you is in all of these stories, there's this notion of the people turning on. The heroes.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And again, you see that, like we said, in the real world, there was this backlash. Um, and especially in New Frontier, like New Frontier captures that period of time between really that nebulous period as the Golden Age was ending, but before the Silver Age really got going when, you know, the waning days of the Justice Society characters, but Superman, Batman and Wonder Woman were still there, but we hadn't had the rise of Silver Age, you know, Green Lantern right. and Flash yet. But right. But this idea in the pages of the comics specifically of, you know, the people turning on them, I don't know. Just any thoughts about that? It's somewhat sad, I
1: suppose. (laughs) Well, I mean, what if Superman showed up tomorrow in our world? I mean, it's, it's kind of an interesting thing to think about. And, and so I think a lot of people would have problems with these mass vigilantes kind of doing their own kind of way of justice. Yeah. you know, you got that one guy in the Dark Knight who's always in the panels. He's like, oh, I'm suing or, you know, this guy. And I think a lot of our society might you know, kind of fall in line with that, or at least very much like like in uh, Civil War, in the Marvel Universe. It's like, well, you got to register. You got to at least tell us who you are. So like, we know a little bit about you. Um, so I think that when you, when you take a step back and you think about real world consequences of having superheroes, I think it makes a lot of sense that there would be a lot of backlash from society to have these people just running around. Doing their thing, and think about the destruction these people caused, By the way, you know, I mean, there's there's buildings falling down and stuff, and people need to be accountable. Like, you know, when your car gets trashed because Superman lands on it or something, well, you're gonna call your insurance company. <laughs> you know, so, I think there's something to be said about the way society perceives them, very much mirroring what I think our, how our society would take the whole superhero phenomena.
0: Well said, and the thing is, I I, I agree with that a hundred percent, especially in terms of how. Superpowered beings, or even just costumed beings, would be received at the outset. I think yeah. what just is disheartening here is this idea that they were in favor when they were needed,
1: and yeah. then once, oh yeah, of
0: course. Once the war passed, in the case of New Frontier, that then they fell out of favor, yeah. uh, and and you know, like we said in the in the case of Dark Knight Returns, this idea that of the envy of those who didn't have powers, like really, yeah. you know, that turning them against the the, the community, but. I think set. Yeah. Like you said, I mean, sadly true to life. I think that's, I I don't, I don't find it hard to believe, but, uh, yeah, there is an aspect of that part. That's that's disheartening.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, but I think that's human nature. Yeah. You know, we would be jealous. We would need them when we need them, or we wouldn't want them when we don't need them. You know, if there was an asteroid coming to earth, we'd call Superman. Like, yeah, you gotta take care of this, (laughs) you know, but nine times out of 10, you want them to be away from everybody else. It's sad, sad, but true. I think, um, but and and again, not many stories actually deal with this because it would be a really hard aspect to constantly be bringing up in the comics, the idea that hey, society actually really hates these guys, um, and they're operating outside the law all the time. Uh,
0: yeah, yeah. Now for sure, the very interesting stuff here. Again, this idea of Superman as a government stooge. My favorite depiction, <laughs> no, but. I think these stories, you know, really do an interesting job with that notion, and it's but I, it's, a, it's a different I, again, angle.
1: Yeah, I think it was an important for him to make the realization that he wasn't in the end. Yeah, and I think that, you know, while he might have started that way, or maybe he was convinced into becoming that person, I think ultimately in all the stories he kind of breaks free of that um, that mindset, and I think it's important for his char- his own character development. Uh, and again, as as somebody who's an alien to this earth, I mean, he's very much. He's, he's a work in progress. He's learning. And uh, I don't know if you can always, you know, ha, you know, have him both be simultaneously outside of us being that godlike creature and also, you know, mindful of all the needs and wants and desires of a human. It's hard to, to play both of those roles, I'm sure.
0: Yeah, and I I the thing with New Frontier is look, I I have said this many times on the show. I I like versions of the story where he's got some stuff to figure out. So, mm-hmm. I actually I do quite like his arc in New Frontier. I I guess, you know, when you when you think of differences between the stories, with New Frontier, that's really an ensemble piece, and so his is a smaller part, but still mm-hmm. a, a critical part. But it's not an antagonistic part. Like, you know, he yeah. needs to rise yeah. up and take the role of leader, which he does. And the role that he's playing in the other story is different. But like I said, I just kept coming back to this idea of him serving this different kind of role in these stories. So I had really a, such a blast digging into all of this. And I thank you so much for taking the time to do this reading project and to yeah. talk about it with me for two hours. I really appreciate so again, it. So
1: Dark Knight is my favorite. Here's my desk. I'm at work, you know, and uh, I have a little statue on my desk. I mean, Dark Knight for me has been like that that constant in my life. And so, anytime I can talk about that story, I'm happy to. And so, Logan. And again, I keep bringing up the fact that uh, you know you have to earn this. And Logan saw me reading it the other night. He's like, "Oh, uh, you know, is that good?" I'm like, "You're not here yet. You're not you're not ready for this one yet." You know, and it's it's one of those things where it's like Star Wars or something. there's like a right time to be introduced to this, and like now is not the time. And I don't know if you'll, you'll feel that way with Milo when he gets uh, older, whether or not. You know, have you plan on how what like stories to introduce him to first? It's hard. it's as a father, it's like an interesting thing. To how do you start with the character? Like, what story would you start with?
0: I you, you know, know, Milo's not even three yet. I know, you so, have time to think about it. But I am thinking about it. To your point, like like that's the thing. And part of me is like, you know, show him some comics now. But it's like I, yeah. I you know, and I I like I don't want to psych myself out either. But there is this part of me. It's like I when I show him that first, like I really want it to be something cool and special and, and a memory yeah. that will stay with him. But, uh, but in, in your case, yeah, I think that, um, you know, sort of waiting until you can deploy the dark Knight returns for maximum impact. Yeah. I think exactly. makes a lot of sense. So well, yeah. when the time comes, I hope he enjoys, I'm sure he will. It's uh, you know, it, it really, it holds up.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And then there's a lot of stories that hold up like this, you know, you know, Uh, And, and they're always by like, you know, the Millers and the Frank, you know, the uh, Alan Moores, these are the characters, these are the writers that have really took the time and effort to make a story that is, is lasting, not just a, you know, there's so many people who just write the story, the six issues to make into a graphic novel. And it's like a throwaway thing. You read it, you'll never read it again. These guys, I feel like when they were writing these things, they knew that this was going to be a lasting story.
0: And they have been. So yeah. Again, thank you, Bill. Uh, always a pleasure to to yeah, do this with for you. for sure.
1: Well, thank, thanks for having me.
0: Of course. My pleasure. Uh, thank you, audience, for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Again, make sure you check out our discussion of the Batman on my Patreon channel. I hope you enjoy that. We will be back in one week with a discussion of some stories that maybe don't stand the test of time the way that these did (laughs) in in my opinion but uh i'm joined by next week i'm joined by lord retail of acme comics in north carolina to talk about the bendis era of the superman books so regardless of how you feel about those stories it's a fun episode we already recorded it so i can say that uh and I, i i hope you enjoy so we'll be back in one week and until then as always remember it's about what you do it's about action the spin-off podcast, Digging for Justice, a DC fan journey, is available now exclusively at patreon.com slash anthonydesiato, starting at the $1 level. New episodes release monthly, and many more rewards are available too, including a robust back catalog of bonus podcasts. Thank you to all patrons for enabling me to produce this show.